Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Manga Talk Star Wars. I am Leon, your host. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host Spencer. Spencer, how are you today? Doing well, man. How about you? And today we have a special co-host with us. We're bringing somebody along for the ride of the Book of Boba Fett. A new person for the Mangum Talks podcast channel. This is Jamie. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, Jamie, childhood friend of mine. I know he's a big Star Wars fan, so I shot him a text before Boba Fett started. Asked him, are you excited about the show? He confirmed that he was. I said, well, let's bring you on for a pod. Let's do kind of a big three-person pod where we discuss one of the episodes. I felt like it would be smart to go with episode two. That ended up being a good guess because episode mm-hmm. one I felt like was a lot of groundwork, a lot of background. This was – this Spencer, was this too long for you? We got an hour-long episode. It, it, I was looking at the runtime going, oh, no, they're doing the Ted Lasso thing where the episodes are suddenly doubling in length. I'm not going to like it. This went around pretty quick. There was a lot of material here, and it flowed pretty well. Much, much longer. I feel like the ep- the, the, the show's starting to find its stride now, right? Um, so I'm really glad that you could join us, Jamie. As always here on Mangum Talk Star Wars, we will go through a recap. I will lead the recap, and then we will jump into our segments. We do best line of the episode, where each of us, and this time it's going to be three of us, select a line that we liked best from the episode. Best line of the episode is an interesting segment for this show. Spencer. Not, <laughs> not a ton wordy. of dialogue so far not in the first wordy. two episodes. But we're going to do it anyway, because I do think there were some good lines there. And then we'll go to nostalgic moment of the episode, which is going to be a doozy this week. Mm-hmm. So many great nostalgic moments of the episode. And, and Jamie, just so you know what that segment is, that is where they do something that's a callback to some other part of the Star Wars lore. May it be the first three movies. May it be the uh, prequel movies, which I famously love. And we talk about how that is our favorite nostalgic moment of the episode. Right. So you, the, you the, say- the moment... The moments from childhood that just resonate with us. The things that somehow crack through my cynical heart and just remind me how much if I adored the Star Wars universe for 35 years. You said it's a doozy. There's a lot. I really feel like there's one that stands out. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. And if we don't all pick the same one, that'll be great. But I, I figured we we're all going to pick the we, same one. We fight every week and it's great. Mm. Maybe. Uh, and then we will go to a new segment, which I debuted last week, which is basically... The empire, the, the, basically the the king who comes down into the gladiatorial pit with the finger. Is it up, down, sideways? Is this better, worse, or about on par with a standard Mandalorian episode? Because what we're trying to figure out here is it seems like it's the same showrunners. It seems like it's generally the same setup. They're calling it chapters. It's similar music, that sort of thing. Is this kind of an extension of Mandalorian or something new? And we'll kind of explore that in that segment. Before we get going, let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Mangum Talks podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, if you're having a good time listening to us, go to mangumtalks.com. That's where all of our stuff is, all of our podcasts are. Uh, we've made some changes to the website. We've got subscriber buttons. We've got some new fancy bells and whistles. So go to mangumtalks.com and check all that out. And we created this podcast feed, Mangum Talks Star Wars, because we wanted to have a singular place for the podcast channel for all of our Star Wars content. Our thought was it'd be easier for you guys to find. Here's what I'm learning, Spencer. It's actually not. Why? There's 5,000 Star Wars podcasts out there. That makes it all the more important that if you're enjoying this podcast, you please go to whatever podcast app you're using and rate and review us. The ratings are hugely important to move us up the search ratings so that people can find us. So if you're enjoying this podcast, even marginally, I'm going to say even marginally, please go three, four, five, I prefer five stars and give us a rating that way it moves up and people can find us and we can have more people following us on a week-to-week basis as we go through the book of boba fett i think that's the end of the housekeeping anything before we jump into the recap guys ready when you are Woo! let's do it 
Boba Fett, episode two, The Tribes of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. What a what a title. Uh, the previously on is heavily focused on the mayor and his lack of tribute. So, I, you know, Spencer, we talked about this last episode. We thought we were going to get more of the mayor. We got it right away. Yeah, right don't waste away. any time with this. Opening, we see somebody walk into Jabba's palace. Very reminiscent of Luke coming to visit Jabba in the beginning of Return of the Jedi. It looked almost beat for beat like that opening sequence with the gate opening and then walking in, seeing the shadow and just the light in the background, the backlighting. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm still going to say Boba Fett needs to hire some extras for his palace. This palace is empty and devoid of people. And that is not conveying what he needs to in terms of impressing people when they walk into this place. Yeah. He's still very much starting. Um, Then we see that it's Finnick who is walking in with someone. So this is a would be assassin. Did not last very long, I'm going to say. The would-be assassin. This was, um, didn't even get to the palace gates in the assassination attempt before Fennec got him. Again, you know, another flex for how good Fennec well, is. It, it, well, this no, is no, the this one is, that... Yeah, this is yeah, the guy from the, uh, the... This is the one that she captured at the end of the last episode, right? She captured right. him in the fight, and he just was brought back by his pig bodyguards quicker. So this guy, she didn't catch him on the way. She caught him trying to escape. Okay, very good point. It's so you're yeah. All right, so that that's a miss on my part. That's the guy that was up on the when she knocked one over and she took one on the on the roof, bringing him in. Um, Okay, so there you go. That's the would be assassin. I was even going to say this just shows what a budget enterprise these guys are in terms of being criminal overlords right now. They're walking back. They don't even have a speeder to drive back to their palace at this point. Who knows how long they've just trudged through the sand to get to the front door? Look, he he walks on his own two feet. Because he can't afford a bicycle. Like, just... It's a I accept that. Finnick did not agree with that. I think she rolled her eyes when he said it. So, but the fact that she's doing it too... Man, they need they need an angel investor right now to get this criminal enterprise off the ground. So she throws the would-be assassin in front of King Boba and um, Lord Fett, Dame, I think is what Dame people Dame Dame Boba. Yeah, her. Lord Fett, Daniel, And he starts questioning. The guy says nothing. We have a quote here. Well, if he's not going to speak, he doesn't need his head. And the guy speaks up, uses a very classic Star Wars insult, potential nostalgic moment of the episode, Ichuta. Mm-hmm. We remember Ichuta. Uh, very Frequently. classic Star Wars um, uh, insult. I think we've gotten that two or three different times in the canon. Boba just smiles at this. Says, we spared your life after you tried to take mine and you curse me. What do we know of this principal, our pr- prisoner? Boba asks what they know of him and his droid 8D8. This is the, the droid name, 8D8. Mm-hmm. Says he's of the Order of the Night Wind. I think this is new to canon. I don't think Order of the Night Wind is anything we've seen before in the new canon. I, I looked it up. I don't think it was covered in the comics at all. So I think this is something new they're introducing. It is definitely new to me. I'm not ringing a bell at all. And... Boba knows what this is. He says, assassin for hire. He, man, his accent, pretty fucking baller from time to time. <laughs> Fennec, uh, with a great line, overpriced, you're paying for the name. Something I think both of you guys have probably said many times in your life. Uh, both both renowned, very cheap people. Um, overpriced, paying for the name. Were you detecting a little bit of professional pride going into Phoenix insults here? Because she is master assassin. It seems like she's just bridling at the idea that this is a rival organization moving in on her turf. For sure. Well, they also did a really crappy job. Like, oh, yeah. They, they surrounded him. I thought they were trying to just rough him up because that's all they did. 
they had their like death sticks and were just like tapping him just a little bit and it, like that was not an well they weren't death sticks attempt. right because like they got him they yanked one at him and held it for like five or six seconds and, and it didn't and, kill him and it, so it tickled really bad like a, yeah. like a bad tickle that you don't like afterwards I'm just saying like Definitely one gun that. a knife a sword anything would have worked a lot better that was Agreed. these were new cattle prods they'd never used them before they accidentally set them for wombat rather than steer they'll get it right next time <laughs> Yeah, from Ikea, they put it together. It's not great. Um, 88, who was quickly developing a reputation for being wrong about everything, says that the uh, the Order of the Night Winds reputation is legendary, and there's no way he'll possibly talk, guys. Don't even try. Finnick, perhaps he fears the Rancor. Spencer, Jamie, what? I'm gonna poll the I'm gonna poll the audience here. What did we think? I thought there was a new Rancor, and I thought that because there is a scene where a new baby Rancor is purchased in Clone Wars. And I thought that that baby Rancor had made its way to Jabba Palace. I thought there was a Rancor there. Spencer, what'd you think? I thought it was at least half bluff. It was one of those things of where I, like you, I kind of assumed there'd be a tiny little baby Rancor there as a yep. joke. It seemed like an obvious joke that they can do, but I didn't think they were actually going to kill him. I thought they were very much just trying to intimidate him into revealing the information. Jamie, yep. how about you? I, I thought it was a complete and utter bluff because, and this is going to tie into something that I kind of feel about the whole show so far. Um, he's a kinder, gentler warlord and isn't all about yeah. just killing people. And so if she just pulled the murder him lever without asking him first, he wouldn't have been smiling. So he knew there was no murder in the murder hole. This was the friendly timeout hole. So, uh, yeah, I, I knew it was a complete bluff instantly. I loved the little mouse to make, like, the joke of a joke that they could yeah. have done a joke. But, no, I knew it was completely empty. It, it, you've highlighted one, I think, what I think is going to be one of the foundational problems I have with this show, of where they've already set up they're going to do a kindler, gentler Boba Fett. We saw that in the second season of Mandalorian. Fine. But they're establishing a kindler, gentler Boba Fett at every point in the timeline. And I'm not really with that. I was really hoping for a much more anti-hero at best to emphasize Boba Fett, you know, the one we remember from the Legends, and it really doesn't seem the starting point that they want with this character on the journey they're taking him. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I, I, I think that is one of the fundamental problems with the show, is that there's a disconnect between what we saw of Boba Fett in the first, in 4, 5, 6, or 5, 6, and then what we saw in Clone Wars. And now, it it's a different character, for sure. Jamie, you were going to say something? Well, I was going to say, um, so I, I don't know how much... How, how off track I'm allowed to get during the recap. But, as much as you um, want. Okay, well, so I, I have not seen all the ancillary material. I've seen very little of the other stuff of the new. I, I, I knew a lot of the old canon back in the day, the Young Jedi books and everything, but I, that's all out. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I have a slightly less informed perspective than the two of y'all, um, but I... Separate for the moment of his change on how he should have been, there's an awkwardness that could be fun, but it's really awkward. Where it feels like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where they intended it for a lawful evil campaign, yeah. and like a chaotic good guy comes rolling in, and I'm like, this is, you're not, you're not, no, that's not how you're supposed to play the game, Boba Fett. Like this isn't the game we set up for you. Yeah, they're obviously building that tension with him and Finnick. I mean, as far as like and and, and the rest of Mosespa and how they expect the Dingo to to exist. But like in Clone Wars, like I understand that Boba Fett was a kid in Clone Wars. He was like ten, right? But that was an 
evil, angry 10-year-old that we saw. I don't think either one of you saw the Clone Wars all the way through. Like, he was fucking mean as hell. He captured Mace Windu. He beheaded people. He was out of control. Like, and I understand, like, maybe the idea is like, okay, as you get older, right, that that goes away from you. But it, it is just shocking the difference in that character. I'm Jamie. I'm also right there with you when it comes to my exposure to Star Wars universe. I was really big in the Legends canon, loved it all, and I was very much into the Boba Fett character of where, if you want to do like a start to his, you know, uh, heel face turn, it was kind of him being in the Sarlacc pit. But it took years afterwards before he was anything resembling a positive figure in the universe for any of our other major characters, other than just being a self-interested bastard. Yeah. This seems like they've just taken that ten years and started him at that point for the, for, for where we're starting this show at. So, and it, 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 they eventually, if him trying to be chaotic good in this lawful evil universe eventually blows up in his face and there's increased tension and increased problems with respect to it, they can make that work. But it's just a weird starting point for where they're putting Boba Fett either in the past timeline or the present timeline for the world he's operating in and what we know about him previously. I've got a dumb question. How long is this after... He fell in the Snarlock pit. Like, how long is he in the desert with the Tuskens? We don't know. Because what Hard Mandalorian takes Ambiguous. place years. Well, Mandalorian takes place years yeah. after uh, Episode Six. Mm-hmm. I so, think they said it was six years or something after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So he was probably with the Tuskens for six years. That's a lot of off-screen face turns. So it's not un. It's not. It's not unbelievable, but it's not really satisfying I well think. but 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 remember we're seeing him immediately after the sarlacc pit like in the flashbacks and he's seemingly good like so it, it, it happened kind of right away after the sarlacc pit interaction yeah. I, I i mean if you're alone in the desert there's a certain amount of you know stockholm syndrome <laughs> there's, i'm not kidding there's a certain amount of strategicness of look these people are my captors but they are also the only thing keeping me alive in a desert uh, they're my friends now, and I need uh, to actually be loyal to them if I want to not die. Maybe. Maybe. I'm with you, and they may be going for that to a certain degree. I doubt we ain't really say that there is captors at any point, even at the start of this episode. It seems like that resolved. Maybe. Oh. No, no, no. He's not bound up at any point practically in this. He's, they're just letting him free-range roam captive at best. I mean, I, I don't think... I think it's pretty clear that the show... I mean, you can read what you want to into it, but it's pretty clear the show is trying to show you a nice Boba Fett. At every yeah. step of the way, yeah. he's a nice guy. Like, so I, I, it, it just seems to me that the, the shift happened before we got to Mandalorian, before we got to the beginning of Book of Boba Fett. Like, maybe even when in Return of the Jedi, he wasn't such a bad guy. Because, I mean, if you think about it, his actions on Jabba's barge, like he wasn't doing anything inherently evil. He was being attacked and he was fighting back. Like, I mean, we didn't necessarily see him like torture someone or murder someone in return of the Jedi. So who knows when that face turn occurred, but he's definitely a different Boba Fett. I mean, if you watch fucking clone wars and you get this, you're going to think like this kid, a lot of spends a lot of couch time, a lot of, a lot of Ted Lasso therapy (laughs) to turn this fucking kid from that evil thing that that conjuring child that we saw in clone wars to this really nice really sultry accented new zealand man it's definitely one of those things of where we're just gonna have to come to terms that they're they're fundamentally telling their own version of boba fett that's different than the one we know from either clone wars or the expanded universe from when we were kids and that's fine yep. I mean, the one that we know probably would have murdered the tuscans in, in their sleep and just left on day four the moment they let their guard down and that's fine. That's the guy we know. That's not the one they want to go with. They, 
I think they want to make a protagonist that a lot more people can sympathize with and enjoy the journey of rather than someone who is more of like a Tony Soprano villain. Yeah, I, I loved what you had said because that's kind of what my thought was, is this going to be like the, like the Sopranos, what I was expecting. What crime does he think a crime lord does if he's not <laughs> like stealing or killing or hurting or torturing shakedown. or extorting? Yeah, what, is, what crime is he going to do? Is he the jaywalking king? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> he, I think the, I think what he it, it, what seemingly we're, we're we're seeing from him is he thinks that crime lord means I can, you serve at the pleasure of the Daniel, like you are the mayor, you serve at my pleasure. I can remove elected officials anytime I want to. And by the way, everybody owes me a tribute for your own safety. What? Or what? Yeah, that's the issue of where uh, he looked, he, he heard someone say, okay, you go out and you get protection money. And then he pulled up Webster's Dictionary and saw that protection means this and interpreted that literally. And he's going from that kind of route for his job. Yeah, either way, we got a nice Boba Fett. Back into the recap. Well, we, uh, we see the, what I like is the, uh, parallel with Return of the Jedi, right? When the guy falls in the Rancor pit, we see the the stand or the sort of platform moves move forward, over. Yeah. Love that, was, that, that so was much. Really cool. It's the little things, right? It's the little things. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. And then we see also another little thing. We see the gate at the far end of mm -hmm. the pit, which is the one that Luke ran over and shook in the movie. We see that as the guy falls, the guy freaks out, says, the mayor sent me, the mayor sent me. And then Fennec tells him it's empty to i can't remember which i think it was maybe you spencer who made the point that that finnick was a little bit like professional sort of rivalry with the yeah. assassin guild her like you dumb disdain. son of a bitch just yeah, yeah just outright disdain i think really furthers that that he she already had this preconcept like oh uh, yeah this right. guy was an assassin to her dingo to the guy right. that she's allegiant to but also i think she's kind of like you fucking asshole you're terrible at your right. job question for us to preserve for later though she's treating without like disdain like oh my god he revealed his employer Question for later, though. Did he? No. Is he lying? Yeah. Because we get some evidence later that he might have been just lying and throwing somebody else under the bus. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, but we didn't know that. We don't know that. It, this reveal, it seems it's not like he clear. just cowers well, or whatever. Well, but I know I don't think the mayor sent him, but we'll get there. Um, Phoenix says, shall we visit the mayor? Da, 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 da. We cut to Mos Espa. Great shot of the city. One of the mm -hmm. beefs I had with Mandalorian, which I didn't have a lot of, was when we got cities, we got small contained sets because they're shooting on a soundstage. This is very much like very little green screen. They're just doing what they, they're doing actual small sets on a soundstage. They showed us the, and I guess it was CGI. It had to be CGI, but this sprawl of Mos Espa as we go mm -hmm. into the city that I thought was a beautiful shot. I thought that was really well done. It's really important because a lot of us have this vague idea that it's a desert planet with tiny towns like what you see in episode four and that that's mm -hmm. as big as it gets and actually understanding it's not a town. It's a real city. Yeah. helps. Yeah, for sure. I, so I also I love the location of it, too. The fact that it was semi underground and that kind of like built in canyon area around it. That would that that was an appropriate bit of world building. That would make sense dealing with the elements on Tatooine. Absolutely. It made me think about how it made me think about how you would have started a town or a settlement or one family would have decided, Hey, this hole is a great place to hide. And then mm -hmm. that would have grown over centuries. So I, yeah, I, I noticed that also. Yeah. Very cool. And they walk into the town. We see a lot, a lot of Shrandoshans, just a ton of lizard people in this fucking yeah. town. I don't know. Like maybe like they, they, I think maybe they here. So I put my production hat on. They sent a purchase order over for a Trandoshan costume. <laughs> Company said, you know what? We did the 3D printing. Next one's half off. And they said, fuck it. Let's just get what? like 15. And we'll just do it Trandoshans like, all over this city. 
it almost seems like the, the, the show in general is trying to up the lizard population of Tatooine in a lot of ways. Like, you know, we, 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 we knew we knew there were dewbacks. We saw stormtroopers riding them before back in the original movies. Fine. Now we've got massives. Now we've got Trandoshans just everywhere. Lizard population on Tatooine's on the rise. Pretty cool. Yeah. So there are a lot of, a lot of Trandoshans and they walk into what I guess is City Hall. It kind of looks like it, right? It's at the end of us, like a city block. Look, and they roll up in there. They roll up in there and... Um, you know, it's kind of like they showed up to, like, get a haircut in 2022. I don't know if you guys have tried to get a haircut recently. I don't know what the fuck happened with haircuts, but there's no walk-ins anymore. You don't walk in for hair. This is what, this is the, this is the tone that he got. Like, oh, walk-in. Mm. You don't really do walk-ins. It felt very DMV, and I thought the actor behind the counter played that very well of where, everyone we've seen working with the mayor so far is intensely bureaucratic and cannot take that hat off. Yeah, we had David uh, Pasquisi, I think is his name. He's the actor from Veep. He was Selena's husband in Veep. Um, mm. Second time on a Mangum Talk podcast that I am going to you refer to somebody Veep. as their Veep character throughout. Like I did that with uh, with my homeboy in um, the the Ghanaian in in Ted Lasso, which was a lot of fun. I will someday watch that show. <laughs> I've yeah. watched none of these things. <laughs> With you, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he apologizes for the lack of pomp, but we didn't see your litter. We didn't see your litter. Boba, Boba's sick of the litter talk. Just gives him a look. No, get a litter. Get, get a litter, get a litter please. You, you need... It's a thing. Come on, this, man. This is the same thing with having groupies in the palace. He's missing the trappings of rule. This is an important part of his presence and respect that people see him in that light. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a show you probably haven't seen. Suits. We're in Suits episode one I, or two. He says you're in charge of the new associate lawyer dinner, and if you don't knock it out of the park, you're gonna be trash forever. Cause see that guy over there? He doesn't get that it's important. Cause it doesn't sound important, but it is. So do a good job at this fancy dinner, and he does, and then he's important. The trappings matter, especially in the first impressions. Especially if you're trying to pretend you're legitimate. When you kind of just did what the first guy did and walk in and say, I'm the boss here because reasons. So no, look, I disagree with both of you guys. He established, he's, yeah, impressions matter. And he's making an impression by not having a litter. He makes it very clear that he's going to rule differently than Jabba. And this is part of it. He doesn't want to be seen as someone who's exalted pop. He walks around with a fucking gun to make that's sure not a ruler. that he, that. that that's not a ruler. That's not a daimo. Daimyo. That's he's not wanting to be the thing he's saying he is. He's not wanting to be a crime lord. He's wanting to be the sheriff, a self-imposed, overpaid sheriff is what he wants to be. I'm right there with you, Jamie. He's acting like a bounty hunter still. And he's even called out for it still, is that the king has to wear a crown. It's part of the image. It's part of what people are looking for. Otherwise, you're just another guy with a gun. The fact that you're a guy with a gun is not the basis of power. Power is a shadow on a wall. Let's remember our Game of Thrones references right here. It's what people perceive and think exists rather than what you physically bear. And Boba does not understand that yet. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like just think getting... this is the reason you like Logan so much. I mean, you just, you like the sort of evil, bad people, trappings of bad people, that sort of thing. You know, it's just that sort of thing. He's trying to be a nice, he's trying to be like a more relatable it ruler. it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So getting getting back to your We're 12 your seconds so I... into the show. What are you talking know, about? Does but... it work? They, no, no. They, they walk into the the DMV, and I love I love the space they built because it's very. It's hard for me to describe how I think I've heard people call it liminal space. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. It very much feels like a bureaucratic thing, and part of what it does it feels sterile. It, make, it makes you small. 
when mm-hmm. he walked in with his group, they blended into the crowd. They became unimportant. They became the next people in line instantly. And it, you don't have that if you wait outside for them to come to you on your litter, or if you crowd it with everyone and you're the head of a crowd. It brought him down to just a guy. Yeah. And well, he was just it, a guy for only space. a few seconds because he busted back in and he knocked, he went in the door with a gun and basically held up the mayor. So he wasn't just a guy for, for that long. Anyway, look, I got it. Two to one vote. You guys think he should <laughs> have a litter? I don't think so. We'll move on. Um, I love this actor, David Pasquisky. I hope he's on this more. The hand talking that he does yeah. is just fucking hilarious. He is so funny, this guy, like naturally funny. And he's really funny in Veep, too, but he's a different kind of funny. He plays like a, celer- uh, a serial philanderer. And mm-hmm. he, the little stuff with that actor, I, I hope we get a lot more of him. And, you know, I think we will because um, I follow the Book of Boba Fett on social and they have done some promotional posters of that character and i feel like they oh, wouldn't have gone go, wouldn't have gone through the time to do that if we didn't get a lot more of him um so after all this little litter talk uh this guy says the the, the mayor is busy the mayor's name is mokshays and boba says yeah basically fuck that he just walks right in um then we get the reveal the mayor mokshays an Ithorian, which I thought was a really cool, uh, really cool take. I mean, it, it, you know, I feel like they're doing, you know, we just talked about this guild, the Order of the Nightwind or whatever, as a, quote, mm. new thing. I, I haven't seen it anywhere else in the canon. They do that so rarely. Most of the time when there's a reveal, yeah. it's a character we've seen before. It's something else that's been established in the universe. I, I do love. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, I, I was going to say, I love that about the Mandalorian and this and a lot of what they're doing now. Uh, and you guys talked about, you know, doing smaller things where it's not the universe at stake. And I love it where not every single thing is connected. Like, yeah, well, you can be on the same planet and you might recognize some stuff, but it doesn't have to be uh, Chewbacca's cousin. It, does, yeah. it can be just another guy because there's a thousand other guys out there, a lot more other guys than Han Solo's adopted Chihuahua. Cousin. No, no, yeah, I, it's, a one, it's a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah. It, it, it. It's the power of the universe and the power of nostalgia. You don't have to go big for it to still trigger those kind of moments. The fact Max Rebo, the keyboard player, showed Woo! up in the last episode, Max put Rebo! a smile on everybody's face. And the fact what? we get an Athorian with practical effects doing the multiple mouths on the side thing it was great. It was wonderful to see. That was cool. Uh, you know, and uh, little little trivia here for you about Athorians, if you guys don't know. Uh, in, the star, in the Star Wars universe, they are... Skill, obviously known as skilled diplomats they're not warriors you can tell from the body style they're commonly known as hammerheads which i think is like a more derogatory term for them i think yeah. they probably want to hear a thorian people behind their back probably call them hammerhead and in the star wars universe they're some of the most skilled ecologists out there so mm-hmm. yeah for what it's worth wait, wait the species is called a thorian yeah i-t-h-o-r-i-n sorry I misheard you and thought it was like authoritarian, and I was like, "That's a little on the nose for the mayor." Ithorian, no, um, yeah. Ithorian makes a lot more sense to not be that. I mean, it's not like we would have a bad guy named Grievous or something. We're not. We're subtle here in Star Wars. <laughs> or so Darth question, Vader is a dark father. Come on, Darth, whatever Sith. Yeah, I did, question for you guys: um, Did we think that this was completely a puppet, the Ithorian, or was there some CGI in it? I thought it was all practical. It looked all practical to me. And if it was CGI thrown in there, they, I thought they masked it pretty well. It looks like I thought the mouths were CG. I thought, the, I, I don't know. I thought it looked like it had CG, but I liked it. I, I'm not as anti-CG as I used to be. Um, so it didn't bother me either way. I, I ask really only for neat. a, yeah, I'll ask only for a scene we're about to get, because I think there's a great comparison there because it did look like 
the vast majority of what we were seeing on screen was a puppet. I I agree mm-hmm. with you, Jamie. I think the mouth they might have done a little CGI with the side mouse, but I think that the actual costume seemingly was an authorian. Like I think it was a real like costume for a person. I agree. I had had one theory that got shot out of the water here, so I thought I'd just share it. Yeah. I thought that the mayor was a hut. Because that would have been a really interesting thing if you had a hut who wanted to be a mayor. After episode one, and after hearing you guys talk about where are the huts, I thought, a hut's the mayor. That's the only person who would send this, I know I'm not going to get killed, talk with his hands, dillweed. Spencer, we're on the same page. You go ahead and give it. So. I can tell by your facial expression we're on the same page. Well, that, we're we're going to get our huts in a second, and that's the I, I know, reveal I know. Ahead, of them. But so we'll get there. Yeah, but... The, Boba even addresses the fact that Tatooine's a little small scale for huts, so like yeah. no hut would come and be like the mayor of Mos Espa, from what we know of that family. Which makes our reveal here in a second all the more interesting because this everybody's everyone's caught off guard by this because it is kind of weird that they're showing up. Freaking oh, no. siblings of Jabba or uh, relatives of Jabba on this backwater that Ba-dum. clearly can't be a basis of a criminal empire. Ba-dum. Yeah, freaking Jaws is coming. Yeah, Boba, you know damn well. Mokshay's Mokshe asked who he is, which I thought was funny. Boba, you know damn well who. If you do not know who I am, then why did you send this man to assassinate me? Mokshay identifies him as a member of the Order of the Night Wind and whap, he has him killed immediately, which I felt like was a sign. Hold on. Things are a little bit different here than maybe we were anticipating, right? Because he, the fact he immediately kills him, does it? Does it 100% say that the mayor didn't send him? No, of course it doesn't. But I do think it, you start to build this narrative of like, hold on, this guy's a little bit different than we thought because then immediately he says, order of the night wind, not allowed to operate outside of hut space. So we killed him. Yeah, he's not allowed to operate here. So I just fucking had him killed. Anyway, here's your reward. Boba's like, I'm not a bounty hunter. And this is the point that you guys got to. He's not on a litter. There's no guy fanning him with a big fucking leaf. So he goes, is that so? I've heard otherwise. Uh, he says, I know you sit on the throne of your former employer. Boba takes issue with that, says, uh, Bit Fortuna was not my employer. Mokshay's pushes back, saying, Dude, you know what I'm talking about. Jabba's yeah. throne. It was Jabba's throne. Boba then, um, I don't know if this was a good move or not, because then he's kind of like, Well, I'll just take this payment as the tribute you should have brought me. Like, I don't know about that move. It's like, it's Hey, here's 20, here's the 20 bucks I owe you. I'll take this 20 bucks because you like me. Like, well, I don't know. Like, that's not like, it, 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 that didn't seem like a particularly good power play. Uh, I mean, he, he needs people. He needs money, actually. So, like, it's not worthless. <laughs> and, no, he's going to take the money either way. But, but, but the saying, I'll take it as your tribute, was seemed a little like, oh. There's at no point in that room that I have any doubts about who's in charge. And no one else should either. If Boba thinks for a moment he's getting a leg up on the mayor, he is wrong. I think there's some value to him saying, like, uh, look, I think I'm owed this money from you, and you think I'm owed this money from you, and I like money, so I'll take it, but we're not square. Like, you're not winning this. I'm going to retreat, basically, but we're still, we're not square. Mm -hmm. And I I thought there was some value in him just making the point of I'm not bounty hunting for you. That's not what this was. Why did he kill him? You said that you think that the mayor killing him shows that the mayor didn't hire him? Uh, I saw no, him killing it. No, it's definitely the mayor hired him. No, well, that's why I tried to. That's why I tried to caveat. Well, I said I did. This doesn't necessarily say that, but I think that what he, what he's, the story he's telling is that's what that that guy operating here is illegal, and I am going mm-hmm. to immediately kill him um, to show you that he's that it's illegal and provide payment. Now, of course, you can read it as I killed him so he doesn't talk, and that's why. I mean, yes, you can read it that way, but the mayor's telling a story here. Well, uh, th- yeah, that's it's illegal for him to be operating, and 
I just killed him for that reason, and here's your payment. Well, the mayor knows the huts are here. So he knows he's in, like, I don't know what hut space means. Maybe you guys can tell me if this is hut space or not. No, but it's But the not. huts are here, and he knows it. No, hut space is a, is a, a group of planets that the huts live on. Like, okay. the, like the huts being in Tatooine is strange. The huts don't go off their planets. Like, this is weird. That's why everybody's looking at it like it's fucking so strange when these guys come around the corner this is not like that guy's not supposed to be on this planet, not in this city at this time. I think it's almost meant to be purposely ambiguous. So at least we're given conflicting evidence on the subject of whether the mayor hired this guy or not, because he straight up denies it before this scene is done. He says, I had no reason to do it. Not really true necessarily at all, but he says they had no reason to do it and kind of points the finger that it was the huts that did it. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, the mayor's, I think almost purposely keeping it ambiguous. I tend to think that the mayor did not hire him because I'm a racist and my preconceptions about authority. Well, I knew that. Yeah. Well, because authorians are, are demonstrated to us in the star Wars universe as being people you can kind of trust. Like they're not like, they're not huts by any stretch of the imagination or Trandoshans or any of these like folks that have kind of a reputation for being skeezy. So that kind of plays into my thinking there. I, I flip side for me, at least just where if, if he hadn't hired the guy, he would have wanted to question the guy or something, and he didn't. He he didn't want this guy talking anymore. So that's where that's where I came up from it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, the, you could make that reading, right? Yeah, that he killed him quickly so the guy wouldn't talk. But I mean, I think that anyway, I think it's purposely yeah. ambiguous, like Spencer said. But I think Agreed. there's a story there that he's trying to tell Boba. One thing that's funny Certainly though, is story. When, they, when they hand the the money over, God, you, you, Spencer, it, have I said one thing you agreed with on this podcast today? Never in the pause. last six years. All right. I, when they hand the money over, one thing that was pretty funny is Finnick rolls it in her hand like little light. It's a little light. Like, I don't know if y'all caught yeah. that. It was like a little comedy thing. That actress who plays Finnick, I think, is good. She's pretty funny. I think oh, she, she, they're, they're giving her some funny moments. Did you know that she played uh, the voice actress for Mulan? Did you know that? My wife told me that. No, I didn't. So didn't know that. It would also play into something Spencer told me last episode that she's 58 years old, which yeah. kind of shocked me. Our leads are 58 and 61, and they are kicking ass in this role. It's impressive to say. Yeah. Evidence Love that it. it's going to be one season, though, right? Like, <laughs> you don't get that long with 60-year-old. Uh, Boba then says, you should remember, you serve as long as the daimyo of Tatooine deem it so. this D- Spencer, serious vibes of I serve at the pleasure of the president from West Wing, right? Definitely. It's what, what he's trying I, to conjure. I... I you see you, you mentioned um, you know Game of Thrones uh, of you know power is a, a shadow or whatever yeah what I'm hearing right here is if you have to keep telling yourself you're king you're <laughs> yeah. not king that's Taiwan like, you're not doing you're not doing any Damio things except showing up saying you're Damio and s- with your hand out yeah we got a mayor milkshake you should do something more than just say it we disagree I I'm I'm following the Cersei line of thinking. Power is power. Like, power is power. Like, and he has the gun and he's got it to the authorian's head. Power is power. So that's how I, I'm thinking of it. But I mean, obviously he's got, look, the whole point of this show is that he has got to grow into this role. It's true. Like it's true. no one thinks he's like ready for this role immediately. Like he's, he's growing into it and he's learning as he goes. Mock Shays, as he leaves before you threaten me through the interpreter coming out of both sides of the hammerhead mouth. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You should ask yourself, who really set the Order of the Night Wind? I have no motive. As you said, I serve at your pleasure, which obviously a little bit of bullshit there. Boba, I am not a fool, Mach Shays, and those who thought otherwise no longer draw out the breath. Mach Shays then said, gives the gift of his advice. Running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting. 
I was like, is that it? That, that's all you got for me? He says, go to Garza's Sanctuary. Garza, the, what did you call her, Spencer, last time? Sexy Twilight? Madam. Uh, sexy Twilight Madam, yes. <laughs> you had a great phrase I for I stand it. by that statement. <laughs> and, and, uh, so it, and he says, you'll see what I speak of. So Boba does just that, goes to Garza's, quote, sanctuary, which is a bar. It's actually a little bit of the physicality of the character that kind of adds to the doubt I have of him. He's literally speaking out of both sides of his mouth, just dude, how the Athorians are structured. No, no, oh, we're far too funny. subtle for that in the Star Wars world. <laughs> Let me have it. That's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, that's fucking You'll appreciate this. I am dense, and so when they said where it was, I didn't recognize the name. I, I kind of recognized it was probably the bar from before. It wasn't until I saw the keyboard player that I knew we were home. Magic Remo! Which bar? Woo! Is there a question for you? You know, you know, you know the idea of curating in politics, like uh, like what your what your just yeah. general popularity is. Uh, we call it approval rating, and um, and sp- I mean, I, you call it in a lot of spectrums, but in sports, it's a common term. Approval rating. Anybody in the Star Wars universe with a higher Q rating than Max Rebo? Question mark. Q rating? Huh. Uh, yes, but he's still Yoda. awesome to see him. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, My maybe, kids but... love Baby Yoda. They love lightsabers because they think Baby Yoda has a lightsaber. He doesn't, but that's why they love lightsabers, just because they think it goes with Baby Yoda. I'm saying for, like, deep, deep-cut Star Wars people, I think Max Rebo might even be more... Because people, like, Baby Yoda, there's Jaina a lot and of, Jason... Like, there's a oh. lot of, like, Baby Yoda, like, hmm. ah, I'm a little tired of Baby Yoda. How, Max Rebo is very, 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 very popular. <laughs> um, Ma, uh, Garza walks up to Boba, offers him a seat at the bar, says... I'll get you a table. I didn't really know you were coming. Can I get you a beverage? Boba, Garza, here's here's something for you. Boba never wants a beverage. Just stop <laughs> offering. Yeah. Not in Doesn't work. want maybe to drink. A, maybe a helmet polish. Drink. That's it. No, maybe maybe wash down the Gamorreans if he's feeling, uh, you know, charitable, but absolutely not a drink. Doesn't want it. Jamie, you had something? Oh, when, when I, I, I expected a little exchange here, and I think maybe it happened in con- subtext where she's like, Y'all don't want more money, right? I, I gave you money. Like, you, do, you don't get to do this twi- two days in a row, man. There's an right? element That's of not that. how yeah. it works. Yeah. Like you said, I really appreciate that Bubba is just never about wasting time. The man's in a hurry, whatever he's doing. And he takes one look at her and says, you're sweating. Why are you sweating? Tell me what the hell's going on. The authority told me to come here. Yeah, Mayor Makshay sent me here as if there is something I should know. And now you're sweating like a gunt on Mustafar. I have the high ground, Anakin! Mustafar. That's the planet. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, she says, yeah, oh, they that's would the, sweat a lot there. That's the, yeah. that's the volcano planet yeah. from Mustafar. Yeah. Um, she says, you haven't heard the twins have laid claim to their late cousin's throne. Boba, the twins, Boba knows exactly who that means. Twins are preoccupied with the debauchery of Hutta planet to bother with any ambitions on Tatooine. So this is what I was talking about earlier, where it's, it's not common for the huts to leave hut space, specifically Hutta, especially if they're powerful these are not creatures that like show up and are ready for like a bar fight, right? They have to be protected everywhere they go. So it's very strange that they would they would be here. Then we hear, and everybody gets super quiet. I thought that was a pretty cool like staging of the daunting nature. The drums and the of the huts effect. coming. Yeah, I, I was very much down with that. I thought that was a nice bit of sound work they did in this episode, and I. Come on, we were talking about the trappings of power. These two huts have it down in terms of just representing, I'm here, you all should pay attention now. Yeah, I, I, the entire exchange, not to jump too far ahead, but is a really good example of the two. You could call them two different types of power. You could call one strength and one power, however you want to define it. But, you know, they, with Boba Fett, you don't see him coming. He's just there, and he is what he is, and he's strong, and he has that. 
you know, he has power, he has gun, he has confidence and charisma, but they exude an aura that extends literally beyond their sight. The sound mm -hmm. emanates where the entire city feels their presence. And when they show up, they also have guns and stuff. So it, they have that too when the they're there. The fact that the drums also nice too, a nice touch too. It's almost establishing, I'm the new heartbeat of this world. This body is mine, mm. except this is it going in. So much so that they so much subvert the scene that the act of not killing him, almost like Schindler's List style, now becomes an act of power. Because he's so much... He's so beneath their notice to even merit that kind of violence thrown his way. Yeah, I mean, short. Yeah, there, there's a litter. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I see it. Maybe. Sorry, we jumped ahead again just because we got excited about drums. I see drums like, and litters. We love them. I mean, I just, I get slightly, I, I see, I get slightly different vibes maybe than what y'all guys are picking up from the huts because I see weak creatures who can be killed by like a, like a single woman with like with just a chain, like they they really need to be very careful about where they're going, and where they're exposed. They are these are absolutely vulnerable creatures that are exposed in the middle of the streets of Tatooine. Not great. Like they cannot protect themselves. Like that's an important thing to remember. Question for the panel before you all disagree with me again. I have a question. Did anybody else think they were conjoined twins? They looked yes. conjoined to me. I, I, I don't think they are, but yeah. they had slightly different color, skin color. Like I, I don't think they were, but I thought that for like a full 30 seconds. Yeah, I did too. Spencer? Very much there with you. I very I thought they were going for that for a second. Instead, I've now realized that huts do cuddles like no one else in the Star Wars universe. They are, I mean, look at them. They're built for it. Absolutely. Like they're, they're, they're like puppies and worms and a hug all put together. But oh. cool. It's great. Yeah, it's definitely a little yin yang with the with the tails. That's a good call. Because yeah. I, I looked at the I looked at the like shots around the huts and it's clear that they are not conjoined, but they really look conjoined to me. Another thing is and like I'm not the first person to point it out, but I did have the independent thought, which is can we stop with the CGI with the huts? I'm not completely yeah. against CGI, but I felt like I loved the big Jabba puppet of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like that was a puppet and it looked obviously the huts are vulnerable. They're not strong. They're sl they're big slugs, but it did look more you just the sheer mass looked more imposing than the cartoonish way that they do the CGI with these huts. I didn't it didn't work for me. I, I accepted it. I was actually a little impressed that it was it was better than I expected for a TV show in that it was almost in the Mandalorian. I was thinking this CG is really good. It's almost as good as the movies. It's better than I expect from a TV show. That's why I was here. I thought this is better better than I expected. So I, it was fine. Jamie, I agree. I, th I think it was still solid CGI, but it stands out. It, 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 it took me out of the moment to a certain degree that it was su su such obvious CGI when the show's been willing to do either CGI that kind of effectively blends into the background or is just part of the ambience. Or just practical effects a lot of the time, too. This was very episode one-y, and it kind of stood out like a sore thumb a bit. Yeah, the... You know, I, I, I stopped listening when you said you agree with me, because so far you just agree with me with everything, so I'm going to just the, thumbs up there. For this us. is my role. This is what I do. Welcome to the podcast. The green... Okay, good. So there, there's two huts. One is... We don't get the names, but one is green, one's pink. The one is green is obviously a male hut, and the, the pink is a female hut because of the way that they, they use the pronouns when they talk. Um, the green one said, this is Java's territory, now it's ours. Uh, somebody pulls up a little Westworld-looking tablet thing that just, like, shoots up a little quick hologram. Lawful and... evil. That's what this is set up for. You, you want to be part of it, you got to be lawful evil. And Boba says, I don't give a shit what that thing says. This is Mos Espa. I'm Daniel here. <laughs> then he, uh, we see a Wookiee come out. This is a black-haired, armored Wookiee. This is um, 
Black Kirstan, um, and this is a Wookiee from uh, the comics. This is from the Darth Vader comics. So if anybody hasn't checked out the Darth Vader comics, like typically I wouldn't like, I wouldn't recommend co- like the comics as like something that like people who are really into the show should check out. But it is abundantly clear to me that they the comics are extremely important for what they're doing with this set of television shows because they there is a number of things that have been pulled from the Dar- from the Darth Vader comics. That's the only one I'm talking about now. It's called mm-hmm. like the, the series called Darth Vader. Um, we see Black Kirsten and Darth Vader one, and he truly is a gladiator. Like he is. He works as a gladiator. So apparently the huts pulled him out of that job. And so when Boba says you can bring as many gladiators you want, it's a correct reference. That guy is um, that guy is a gladiator. And he says, these are not the death pits of Dur, and I am not a sleeping trend ocean guard. That also calls out the storyline from Darth Vader episode one when Black Kirsten kind of escapes a uh, potential battle. Go Which ahead. Is it, it's it. interesting that Fett knows this. It, 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 this is not in any way foreign territory. He's directly on point of, I know this guy, I know his history, and he's just conjuring it immediately. That's a yeah, degree he's a of background. Badass. So I'll tell you, I had no idea about that background at all, but I, I was going to ask you guys if that was, because that's what I thought. They did mm-hmm. a good job where you, the people like me who see it, they did not hit you over the head. They did not talk about him like turning aside and saying, oh, I know him, and blah, 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 blah. It was enough that the only way that his sentence made sense is if he knew who that Wookiee was and mm-hmm. his story and everything, which is neat. It's great. It's he's he's not a bumbling idiot. It's at least once an episode, Boba Fett does get to at least be smart and cool. One, once per episode, that's, that's all he gets. I'll say this: like I, you know, I typically would take Finnick in any sort of one v one battle. Not a hundred percent sure I'd take her against Black Kirsten from what we saw of him in the comics. I mean, he's he's like he's he's one of these cats that kill like twenty people at a time. Like he's a big deal. I think it's one of the most effective statements about the Hut's power and also who they have here. Finnick at no point even ponders raising her gun. Her comment no. at the end is that she's legally not allowed to even attempt such. That's the eminent power of the Hut's, that you can't even ponder the act yeah. of hurting them. They're, they're yeah. helpless-looking slugs, but they project power that you can't challenge. Yeah, they... they... I, I wonder whether there's any parallels that are going to continue or be strengthened between the, the hand-talking guy from the mayor and the Hut's. Because it's both... I am not strong. I'm not defending myself. I'm just here, but you're going to let me walk away because there's a lot behind me that I don't need armor. I don't need guns. You just have to respect me because of who I am and who I'm with. Yeah, it totally worked for Jabba. Go ahead, Spencer. (laughs) Okay, Jabba's the exception. You don't always expect metal women in bikinis to just take you out. It happens. Women in metal bikinis to take you out. It happens. I'd also bet money that the Huts probably have a personal deflector shield on their litter. Just throwing it out there that they're probably taking extra precautions there, too. Yeah, I mean, they're probably really well armed if we just start, like, projecting a bunch of things on them that we don't see on screen. You you do know you've just changed where I'm never going to call it a litter again. I'm going to call it the Pope Mobile, right? You, that's what I'm going to call it now. So he, he that it, it does kind of have Pope Mobile-ish vibes. That's a really good call. So the cut back to the territory is mine. Go back to now. Hutta, the twin, the pink twin speaks in Huttese to the mm-hmm. other. What I find interesting is they de- they do not caption what the the pink hut says you don't get her yeah you only get it through the green uh and he says you've upset my sister i'm more patient she is she thinks we should kill you everyone cocks their weapon your cousin this is boba talking back your cousin jabba's dead his cowardly major doma Ooh, shade on bib fortuna Mm -hmm. throw some shade on his name uh usurped his territory then i killed him all that is his belongs to me now your sister is right if you want it you'll have to kill me for it 
small point here. It seemed to me that what we heard through the Green Hut was, she thinks we should kill you. But what Boba said was, your sister's right. If you want to take my territory, you'll have to kill me for it. I I interpreted that to mean that he he was... Boba is very, very fluent in Huttese, and he was he could he was parsing what she was saying in a very like more like in a more astute way than that summary that he got from the Green Hut is what I took from that. I don't know if you guys did. No, I I would find it odd if he didn't speak Huttese, given that they probably been the majority of the source of his work and his career as a body hunter. That's a good point. So I I, I took the subtitles for the one and not the others that she was talking to quietly to be heard. Like she was you know with the with the thing. So I was thinking that he that nobody else could really understand her, and that's why we didn't get a translation for it. And we got we got to know what Boba knew. Yeah, so maybe, but but maybe it did. After that, she seems to very obviously start to cover her face, and in in my line of logic was that. She could tell by what Boba said that he had heard her. So then she tried to muffle it more. Who knows? But anyway, it, what we do know is that the next line of dialogue, she really does try to hide. And then the green hut says, bloodshed is bad for business. This can be dealt with later. Sleep lightly, bounty hunter. Flicks his wrist and off they go. Not before, not before Black Kirsten shoots a sour, sour fucking look at Boba. And a little Wookiee grunt for the for the road. Um, after they leave, Boba takes his helmet off. Fennec, their huts. We would have to get permission if you want to kill them. Question for the panel. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I mean, I know that like it's unlawful to kill them, but that has never bothered Fennec in the past. Why does she specifically call out you have to get permission? And do we have any theories as to who the hell you have to get permission from? That felt very mafia. That felt very mafia of where you can't hurt or kill a made man without permission from the Dons. That they have a certain level of accepted protection and they are sacrosanct in that regard. It's the way their institution hinges on. And that felt very much a thing of the Hutt families have an understanding. If you want to take one of them out, you better get permission from some kind of, you know, council of the five families before you can touch one. Otherwise, we're all uniting and taking you out because this is what our power depends on is this level of protection, you know, sanctity. Yeah, I'll cut to to you, Jamie, in a second. Spencer, just to clarify. So you're saying that in your your theory here is that you would actually have to get permission from other Huts to kill a Hutt. Essentially, yeah, that they only they get to control the power of life and death of their own members and families. But Jamie, please. Uh, okay, yeah, Jamie. Oh, exactly the same. Just the idea that the huts stick together and they're not literally going to throw their whole strength behind every little thing that every cousin wants to do. But something like killing them, no, we're going to throw all the strength behind that because that insults our integrity as a people. But I mean, if somebody's enough of a dick, we will withdraw our protection from that one and leave them to their own devices. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and maybe maybe these two are so far out. Maybe they're here on Tatooine because they were too debaucherous. Maybe you can get their protection removed or something. And Lee, you talked maybe as a plot point they'll tease. Lee, you've talked before about the power and prestige and threat of the Hut families and the Hut crime and the Hut crime organizations. This feels like a great touch to that. It just it adds to the element of nobody wants to mess with them because they will come down on you like a hammer to the degree you even poke them in a way they don't approve of. Absolutely agree. I liked the line. It was just. I felt like it introduced a level of confusion that if they don't go back to later will be weird. Cause you could have easily written that as Finnick saying they're huts, you know, we can't kill them with impunity, right? You could say something like that, but no, she said you have to get permission if you want to kill them. I hope that there's more information that comes from that later that we, we get I, to figure out what she's talking about. I think that's cor- very correct to call out. This felt like foreshadowing of where if they ever take them out or if they hurt them, this could set up the ongoing tension or the season two tension of, Oh God, we kick the hive. 
Yeah. Cut back to Boba in the back to tank. Spencer, I talked about this on the first fucking episode. He's a little bit too... uh, He's back in the back to tank. Jamie, I I want your thoughts on this. I think Boba's addicted to back to... That's my theory for this season. It's starting to play out. It seems like he every time he's not on the city streets saying saying to people, I don't want to be on a fucking litter, and by the way, I'm your daimyo, give me money, he's in a goddamn back to tank. I think he's got a problem. So I, I I did not know all the stuff you talked about in your first episode, so it's really interesting about how in the other material it has addictive properties. Not having known that, I would have only thought – Look, he is old and he is beat up and he's got stuff wrong with him and the desert's hard and he so he pushes himself as hard as he can and then he goes back to his thing. You know, Darth Vader, he goes and he's the most strong, impressive thing in the world, and then he has to go in his little hut with his hat off and like recuperate every night. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I took it more as that as physically and maybe even psychologically. Like it's a it's it's the Bacta magic healing, but it's also kind of a sensory deprivation chamber. Maybe that's the only way he can sleep because of the trauma he's had or something. I don't know. I, I took it more as he's in rougher shape than he seems and he needs it. But I'm really interested to see if addiction's a thing. Because you're just, right. It could go either way. I just want to point out that you're like, I'm not sure he's addicted. But it might be a psychological thing and he might need it to sleep. Well, that's no. a lot of times that's addiction. Whoa. No. Are, are you saying that Daredevil is addicted to the sleep to the sensory deprivation chamber just because he can't sleep with the sound of breathing? Not no, not a not a Marvel guy. I don't know that. But I do know the comparison to Darth Vader. I don't know if that one works for me only because what? we know that Darth Vader is like cannot breathe, he literally breathe on his what? own without his fucking suit. Spencer? I, I, I think we're. I think the show wants to give us kind of signs of both. I think what you guys are saying is kind of uh, two sides of the same coin. Of where whatever it is, it feels like it's a crutch that he needs to keep going. Whether it's addiction, whether it's physicality issues, either way, they seem to be continually emphasize that he's not able to function without this on a regular basis, and that feels like they're setting up it's going to be a problem going forward. Yeah, I I I'm going to put my flag in the sand, not actually very firmly, but I'm going to do it because it's fun to do it, where I say, no, it's actually a health thing. And we will eventually get where he's strong enough, maybe it is a conflict or something of whether he is strong enough to not need it, where he like breaks it and because he's done with it, because he is healed and he's whole and everything. I'm going to say it because it sounds... <laughs> If, so, I, if I'm right, I'm going to sound really cool. So he's relying on it, and eventually he's going to he's going to flush the pills down the toilet, but he's not addicted. It, exactly, because well, he's getting better. <laughs> well, it, it's. I think he's still healing. I think he is literally still healing from all the years in the desert and everything. Yeah. And eventually he'll decide that he's healed enough. Yeah, I've never heard somebody on opiate say like, "Yeah, hey, I, 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 I'm hurting. Damn it, I, I have real pain. I need I need these for the pain. I, who knows? I don't know. I, it's obviously we're just conjecture here because we don't know. But all we know is that to Spencer's point. He is having to go back to it regularly, so it's something to notice, right? But we are seeing. Go ahead, Jamie. You, you think of it more like opium. I'm thinking of it more like dialysis, where and maybe eventually he'll get better and not need it anymore. But that's more of what I'm thinking of it like. You don't say you're addicted to dialysis. That's a different kind of thing. You, you do traditionally need a kidney though to get off dialysis at a certain point. Yeah, I don't know that you get off dialysis. Dude, this is, yeah, this is magic, man. Come on, it, it's growing him. In, it's it's. 
Are you telling me back to can't, tanks can't grow new kidneys? Because I they think they can grow, grow new kidneys. Yes. They can probably grow kidneys. Maybe. I don't know. But then we got to the flashback of the episode. This is going to, I think this is going to go a little bit faster in the recap because there's not a lot of dialogue. And yeah. Boba is uh, going through his gaffy stick training, getting frustrated with some of the orders given to him. I am holding it this way. Like he gets No, you're not. No, you're uh, not, buddy. Bo- Boba loses a spar and nods, goes, gets a stick and says, show me. So it shows that Boba, um, while he can get frustrated, he does truly want to learn how to battle with these gaffy sticks cut to more gaffy stick training these spar again and boba holds his own a little bit better they have an audience i think that's pretty funny that the crowd is like watching them spar i mean what the fuck else are you gonna do in a desert right mm-hmm. um something jumps up out of the sand a small lizard it takes off and one of the tusks can shoot it this is your point spencer there's just lizards everywhere everywhere it's a lot of lizards I think, that's, I think that's the size of sand fleas in the desert here. That's what I figured. Oh, yeah, God. If so, terrifying. Big-ass sand <laughs> flea. Wow. Uh, then we hear a low rumbling sound in the distance, and a train goes by, and as it does, uh, it just starts seemingly indiscriminately shooting at people. What? Uh, look, here's the deal. I'm not a big fan of these Tuscans from the prequels. I'm starting to like them more. Obviously, they're trying to make you. Mm-hmm. But I was pretty pissed off at this goddamn drive by. Like, what the hell are they doing? Just shooting for no reason. This episode is really heavily dialing into, uh, well, Western themes and the idea of train going through the desert firing at Native Americans. It's maybe even a certain element of like what? Um, um, a certain element of Full Metal Jacket of when like the helicopter guys just shooting at random people as they're fl- as they're going by in Vietnam. Um, also a certain dose of Lawrence Arabia before we're into, it feels like this felt very much dialing into a lot of the homages and themes the show loves to do when it comes to various desert scapes and ways they can bring in. Yes. So not as, I, I don't know, um, all, all the influences. What I took here was world building where, um, why would they be doing this? And it's, you think back and it's, well, they're doing it because they're the, I, I assumed instantly, and it turned out that I was right, that this is the protection crew. And they are shooting from the train to make mm-hmm. sure that people aren't attacking the train. They're doing that because they have a history of thinking people are going to attack the train. People, the, the Tuscans attack the train because the train is shooting at them. And it really goes back to who shot first and kind of racism or something, disrespect. Assuming if you drive through and you see a Tuscan, they're going to shoot you. So you have to shoot first. The, the, the members. Of I always the say that definitely is racism. The, the, well, the members of the Pike Syndicate, who we eventually realize these guys are, do at least offer that this was a legitimate misunderstanding. We just thought <laughs> that they would be An understandable misunderstanding. We, we, we saw people. They had guns. We killed them. What? These things happen. So sorry. The Tuscans do, need to, do seem to know that the train is danger, though, because when they hear the train, they immediately start assuming the position. They start hiding and stuff. So mm-hmm. this has happened before, obviously. Jamie, you got something? Shouldn't desert people be better at hiding? They're really bad at hiding. They don't know how to, like, duck. Like, they all scramble, and then they're all standing up and getting shot. I disagree with that. Because, I mean, they, so many of them get shot. Like, they're in a desert. So many of them die. There's sand dunes. There's a wampa, or whatever it is. Bantha. Uh, Bantha. Uh, it, it, it is one of the things I, I kind of found a little bit odd about the... Um, I think I think it's just they wanted to do with the art style to make these guys stand out and distinguish them. But previously, we've seen sand people. They wear robes that blend in with the sand. It's kind of their physical attire previously. These guys and are they wearing. Hide. They're famous for their hiding hide. mask. These guys, I, th- I think it's just part of that they want them to stand out and be more individual to us so we can better connect with them. But they have a variety of colors. They have little fetishes that they wrap around, wrap around their necks and everything else. Most of them are wearing black, honestly, which doesn't really stand, kind of stands out from the sand. And it does seem to make them stick out like a bit of a sore thumb as this train is going by. 
Yeah, as the shooting goes on, Boba seems to hide some of the younglings, which I think is really cool, again. He does, yeah. Right. yeah yep. see, Boba's a good guy. I, I, one thing I like, and this, we see it here and it's repeated throughout, I like that everybody helps the wounded. And the moment somebody gets shot, it's not like he's dead and gone now. We no longer regard him as a person. The moment somebody's hit, people are on them and pulling them to protection, pulling them to safety frequently. And I, I like that touch about how the sand people are working. Cut to the evening, Boba takes off uh takes a couple of the people to the dead a couple of the dead people to a funeral pyre um it looks like there's maybe eight ten people that died during this i mean it wasn't a small number of people that died uh for this thing uh boba sighs drinks a little of the milk out of one of those little black egg things and looks at some speeders go off in the distance going by them he then goes back to the leaders and says i will stop the train guys like you can't stop the long speeder what he calls it so he doesn't really know what train is obviously but he says you can't stop the long speeder boba says he will he'll take rifle and stick he'll be back by morning and clearly they are okay with this the trust between boba and the tuscans is exponentially increasing this goes to something you said spencer certainly doesn't look like a prisoner at this point because they let him just go off into this like like it looks like an outpost like a like a like a like a you know you're driving through like the counties of north carolina and you see like the little (laughs) bar that's just at like a corner that seems Mm -hmm. to be what that is and so that's where boba takes off to go get these speeders go ahead spencer this scene strongly implied in my mind that we've been jumping in terms of time frame because a we see boba's just able to communicate with the tuscans which we hadn't seen before and then the amount of level of respect too it seems like an implication that at a minimum months of time have now passed with the Tuscan people rather than this being like the next day after they killed the Ray Harryhausen creature last episode. Maybe. Yeah, hard to tell. But he, uh, he certainly can communicate with them a little bit better. But he is doing the thing that I think that like you do when it's two people trying to learn each other's language. Because I think that part of what's going on is they can understand bits and pieces of what he's saying. And the hand motions also help. So I think it's it's a little bit of both from, from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um so then uh, we see this little outpost bar and there is a species of people who had ridden these speeders into the bar. I did not recognize the species. Did anybody recognize who that was? No. Okay. Did not either. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Foreign. Uh, they might be. They might be new. I don't know. Uh, but I will say this. They're real fucking assholes. They are not good people. Uh, one thing that we saw. Spencer. Jamie, is this the first time we've ever seen video games in Star Wars? It, I think so. Yes. They were playing a video game. It looked like a tabletop asteroid game they were playing. It did. I've never seen them play video games before. Makes sense. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the guys comes over to a couple. It's a human couple. Drinks his drink and laughs. It's a I drink your milkshake situation. He finally says, it's not right. Did you say something? He stands up. So that's not right. Everybody gets quiet. Guy walks up to him, hits him with a taser while the wife is yelling to leave him alone. And then cue tumbleweed. Doodle-doo-doo-doo. Boba walks in with his gaffy stick and rifle. Uh, Guys start. Go ahead, Spencer. Sorry. For those playing the home game, these apparently are members of the Nikto species. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. Nice. Quick Google in there. Thank you. Nikto's. I need to remember that. Um, Not, not, not nice. Uh, anyway, uh, Boba goes on the attack. Well, actually... The guys pick up their weapon, and I think they do strike first. Someone mm-hmm. strikes Boba first. Although Boba does not seem peaceful, he he doesn't hit first. They hit him first, and then he just basically uses the the gaffy stick and rifle combo until his right his rifle breaks. Then he continues to use the gaffy stick to summarily beat the fuck out of all of them. Jamie, it was notable that he um he started with just the rifle. It was important he had a rifle because he had to shoot somebody who was about to shoot him across the room. Right. Then he decided. I've got a giant stick made for beating people. I'd rather beat them with my fragile gun. 
that was a questionable choice. <laughs> one yeah, that's just going going quick, yeah. One that quickly goes wrong for him, which I appreciated too, because the gun breaks in half. I, I love the work, the physicality that Tamora Morrison brings to the role, and I love just how he gets into like a warrior rage when he starts beating on people. There's no necessarily logic behind it. It's I would like to hurt more people now as fast as possible. I, I do want the conversation when he goes back. He's like, oh, "Here's your stick back." I was like, "Where's the gun? I, your gun broke. How did it break? I I hit people with it. Where was your stick? It." it I, I, I didn't want to hold it yet. I wasn't yeah. ready for stick time. Pretty sure they're not going to care about the rifle when he brings all the machine well, speeders back. I, 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 well, you, you know, they'd still ask. And then they'd be like, you dumbass. Why are you hitting people with the, the gun is for the not hitting. The stick is for the hitting. Here, here, go shoot them. Here's a stick. Like, I, that's got to be a running joke afterwards that he just beats people with the, the, the guns. I, I, in, in my mind, that's my head cannon of an off-screen running joke they have. We do appreciate headcanon. One question for you guys. We've talked about how they're they're um, trying to show a kinder, gentler Boba. But what the fuck was his plan? to Like, he he goes to this bar. He does it when he sees the speeders go by. He doesn't know these people are assholes. He goes into the no, bar. He, he go How? Oh, because he saw them uh, steal water in episode one. Is that the are same we, guy? Are we, it, that are sure they're the same guys? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, the same guys. They're the only people who ride speeders around the desert at night. Okay, so his. So okay, <laughs> the only people with speeders tattooing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I, it seemed to me that the plan was always to go steal the speeders, and I'm not quite sure that fits in with the kinder, gentler Bilbo. I, I think that's fair. I think there is there are elements to them that we see they're complex. What this felt like though was you guys ever seen the Terminator movies? Yeah. Most most of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, say the first three. This felt very much the Terminator shows up, walks into a bar and says, I need your clothes now kind of thing of where he had a thing. He needed it. He took it. No, I, I took this as kind of, I, I took this as um, what they're doing for kinder gentler, where it it's something that is like a bad thing, but it also has a good reason. Bad doing people it too. He's, doing too. He, he's taking them because he needs them, but he's also taking them. Just happens to protect all the water farmers who they've been beating up and who they now can't go ride these speeders around and, you know, steal water. I, I, um, th- I think that is the best. Why do you incident. go inside though? You, you can steal. The, he didn't take keys. Like they weren't. Why did he go inside at all? He could have just taken all the speeders. He so, didn't kill them and he didn't take their keys. Why did he beat them up? Sometimes you feel in the mood to beat on a guy. Yeah. I mean, Bubba's got I, needs. I mean, I understand <laughs> that they want to show us like the, the specifics. I'm not sure him gathering keys would have been a good use of screen time. So um, <laughs> fair. Maybe, fair maybe right. that's something to move on from. I, I, um. <laughs> I, I accept that. I accept that completely. I retract my statement. He needed to go beat them up so that he could steal their bikes. Their bikes were not left unlocked. Boba's still wearing his beat up bear overalls when he comes back. Um, it's interesting when they when he comes back, it looks like the Tuscans are scared at first, right? At the machines. And then what, what's pretty cool is they seem relieved, surprised, shocked to see him. And specifically, we see this multiple times in this episode. The younglings get particularly he seems to have a, like a relationship with some of the younglings, maybe even specifically one of them. Um, where they're really excited to see him, right? And he comes back, he says, I have a gift for you. And they all start taking apart the machines because that's what they yeah. know to do. They're, scavenge, they're scavenging. And he stops them. He says, look, we're not going to do that. I'm going to teach you how to do this. And um, when he says that, uh, he says, I'll teach you how to, how to you know, drive these speeders and I'll teach you how to stop the train. The seemingly chief of this 
Tuscan outfit kind of looks at him and and turns and goes into his tent. And that seems to be tacit approval for what he's doing. Spencer, did you have something? No, I, I agree with your interpretation. Um, one most random bit of trivia I can possibly offer, those that couple that were in the bar are actually established characters in the Star Wars universe. Of course oh, they are. Really? That, we wouldn't do that in Star Wars. Always are they? Uh, they are from a cut scene in the original New Hope movie. They're Luke, they're Luke and Biggs Darklighter's best friends. They, th- this is a couple that have been established in the universe from deleted scenes in the original film, and they also show up in the comics, too, where it's Cammy and Lays. So they are established characters. They're never even named here. I only recognize their names from the credits at the end, but they're here. Wow. Cut them. to Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cut to a speeder bike lesson, and this is very much me playing Star Wars video games throughout the years. Um, you know, the stop, stop, go shit i crashed into a tree and indoor anybody have yeah. more quarters like that's me trying to learn the speeder bikes in the arcade game oh god that game's um, hard it's really tough goes so fast um i gotta give it to the tuscans here though they do seem to pick this up quickly they learn how to drive the speeders but also boba teaches them and by teaches i mean hey guys do this until it works jump back and forth between the speeders and eventually the well at least one of them learns how to do it um uh, pretty cool pretty cool scene there um Anything else on on that montage? Well, this montage was a little bit tropey for me because it really was just hearkening into the kind of very classic cinema trope of the mighty foreigner that teaches the natives how to defend themselves. The episode doesn't lend too hard to that because the Tuscans can kick ass in their own right. um, And they do once they're able to meet them on equal terms. It felt a little bit of a a hackneyed trope for me to come up and bring out here. I might have sang the montage song the whole time. Everything goes faster than montage because it was very, very stereotype, just generic montage. So, Spencer, tell me... Tell me if I'm fair here. That seems to me to be your sensitive to that trope because th- there is such a give and take between him and the, and the Tuscans. He's giving and helping them, but they are very much helping him too. Mm-hmm. They give him water, food. They teach him how to fight. Gaffy stick. They give him robes. They give it. You know, like so. I my question for you, just just probing a little bit. Did you call that out because you're so you're used to seeing it in media, you don't like it, and you're sensitive to it, or is it really something that that's jumping off the page? It it, it it did jump off the page to me, but I am also sensitive to it. I've seen it's it's a very old trope that I see done in a lot of ways. This is not the most worst example of it I've seen. Like you said, they establish a foundation, they establish a connection, and they can defend themselves in their own right. But it did stand out. I had the same complaints back in, I think it was season one of The Mandalorian, where they teach the villagers how to defend themselves, of where it's just like, uh, I know Star Wars likes to harken back yeah. to classic tropes, but this is a pretty old one they're kind of pulling out here. That one that one was, they, they were pretty helpless villagers. I think they were trying to establish that. But I, I had this, it's interesting, because when you said that, I had the same thought. But then I actually caught myself and said, well, wait a second, Lee, like this is an avatar. Like this is a very not different that bad. dynamic. Not yeah, that bad. right. Very different dynamic. And I do think they're making a point of trying to show a give and take between the two cultures. Um, then here comes the train. Um, Credit to this train sequence. One of the more impressive action pieces I've seen in Star Wars in a long time. This was a legitimately well done action piece, I thought. It was good enough that I wanted the episode to have just been called The Train Job. That's what I wanted the title to <laughs> This is not Firefly. You don't get that. It can be both. Yeah. Um, well, what did, yeah, like in Game of Thrones, they called it, what, the loot train attack? A little on the nose, loot train. They did, yeah. Um, so in this sequence, um, one cool thing they did is they did the James Bond running on top of the... How many James Bond movies has James Bond run on top of the train? To, you know, like going toward the top car, like to get to the it, conductor? Like that's happened so many times. 
I was making fun of old tropes. This is an old trope I love, though, where if there is a train, eventually the main character is going to be fighting on top of that train. It is an everything that depicts a train fight, particularly in Westerns, which seems to be really going into a kind of, you know, a train heist kind of motive here. And it's great. It's always exciting. It's always packed. But as you said, for James Bond, all the recent films have involved a train fight at some point. I thought that the best, uh, or at least the biggest action sequence they've had in Mandalorian was that um, when they were leaving Moff Gideon's sort of research facility in the Empire, it's basically a whole episode. They were fighting on that transport? Yeah, on his transport, yeah. And that was like a Carl Weathers-directed episode, shout out Apollo Creed. So I was like, really, I really love that, that episode, but... I do think this schools that episode. Like this is such a this is a this is another level of action sequence. And you know, Jimmy, you made the point earlier about CGI, or uh, you said, like, well, this is TV, you know, CGI, right? And I think we might need to get out of that mindset with this show because they've they've basically scrapped the movies. They're not doing movies anymore. They're putting all their money into these series. This uh, this felt to me like Star Wars movie quality action. Do you guys agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Jamie? No, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, as far as just the quality of the sharpness of the imagery, uh, the the action, the pacing, I had a lot more in this where I was thinking, like, why are they doing X, Y, and Z? Because more of they're hiding very poorly. They're more getting shot. Uh, I feel like half the tribe died between day one and day two. Cash uh, were high. Yeah, that was I, pretty rough. I'll, and, and a lot of the ones who died, it was like, why were you doing that? Like, why are you what, just, no, just go inside or something. I don't know. It was, I had a few things about that, about the, the choices the characters made. But I went to write, that's the difference in good acting, good, uh, good writing and directing and bad writing and directing. Are you mad at the writers and directors or the characters? And I'm mad at the characters. Like, Come on, buddy. You're better than this. Hide. You can hide better than that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was really point. good. Yeah. Uh, the, the the writer thing was not mine originally, but I'll steal it. I'll take credit for that too. Um, no, that, yeah, that was good. I question though, like, uh, did anybody else notice that at your Jamie? I think you're absolutely right. They lost a lot of Tuscans, but they made a point of showing that the, Boba did not view the Tuscans as indispensable. Right? Every time he yeah, lost no. one, he was looking back. He was upset about it. He was trying to save them. Like he he really seemed to be like on their team. Uh, I very much appreciate that. I very much appreciate the Tuscans are caring for themselves too. When everyone got wounded on the train, the other ones pull him to safety and are watching him, make sure he's okay. It was a great touch about a tribal people that care about their members and that Boba's becoming part of them. I also really like that even though the Tuscans took some casualties, they were ki- kicking ass in their own right to a far greater degree than Boba did. Boba was almost mostly just watching this happen. Is the one Tuscan with the gaffy stick just goes ham through the middle of that train and oh, snipers yeah. are constantly picking off the guys that are trying to shoot their own people. Yeah, the guy who looks like Kylo Ren, who's dressed like Kylo Ren with the black, like that guy, I want his Star Wars customizable card game trading card. He seems like a nice <laughs> 1v1 character. That guy's a badass, man, because he, he sees they're in trouble, steers the speeder over, hops onto the train, completely sacrifices the speeder, gaffy sticks everybody, and then you have that cool sequence where they're, they're like high, they're taking shelter from the, the people shooting on top of the train, and then you, like, it's almost like a game of Frogger. You see people just being pulled below, like, one at a time as he's kicking their ass. One of the funniest moments for me the episode was when that guy, who we have no name at all to refer to no. that, the one uh-huh. badass Tuscan, yeah. uh, what the most badass Tuscan. Uh, but when that person is going through the train car and then just pops up to the open hatch like a gopher, just looks left, yeah. looks right, d- dives down, and those two guys, just the two guys that have been 
keeping them pinned down, just go flying off the side. It was a funny, funny laughing moment for me. One touch I thought you might like, Spencer, is the kid with the reflector light setting up the snipers. You known sniper in in Halo. Uh, <laughs> thought you might like that. I, I did appreciate that. I, I appreciate how much this was as much as some of the initial hiding was rough. I'm very much with you there, Jamie. It was a still well executed plan to keep these guys pinned down and off balance in terms of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Anyway, they end up, you know, crashing the train uh, because Boba jumps into where the conductor is, which is a droid who goes like basically Harry Carey and just dives out. Gone. I want to see the conductor so much. I want to see like. I want to follow him. I want to see. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you, Jamie. I want to see the Wally like, like, you know, movie (laughs) of that guy in the desert, that droid in the desert just existing. Um, Anyway, uh, they end up pulling these these creatures uh, or species off the train and have them as their prisoner, the people who are left. Boba asks, who is the, who's the leader? One guy stands up, takes his helmet off. Again, I have to say, just, man, I'm failing this episode. Did not recognize that species any either. These were the, these ones I did, I did recognize. Actually, I think they may even appear in Clone Wars to a limited degree, but these are, these are members of the Pike species and this is the Pike Syndicate in terms of this criminal organization. There you go. Pike species, Pike syndicate. And you did mention that earlier. Thank you, Spencer. Um, and basically, Boba's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's the, the, I'm going to go ahead and interpret what Boba's saying. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? And he goes, well, look, we thought you were uncivilized raiders. This is to Jamie's point. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the past they had they had actually attacked the uh, different tribes had attacked the train. And this 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 difference between tribes and how the different tribes operate is referenced later go ahead spencer i think it's a very we commented on this in the last episode this is kind of the dominant view of the of the of, you know the more civilized population of tatooine is that the tuscans the sand people are just bar- barbarous raiders that'll murder you at first sight this is what yeah. luke was basically telling the droids back in back, back in a new hope well so, it's what all the skywalkers think still <laughs> when they're not murdering children yes this is the common thing that they offer to other people Look, they're, they're allergic to sand. They got it from their grandfather. Like it's 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 part of them. It gets they in everything. To. Come on, it, and it does. God no, sand is the worst. Uh, and they are trying to protect their route, is what they say. Boba does not like this answer, but does seem to understand it. Boba explained, these people lay ancestral claim to the Dune Sea. If you are to pass, a toll is to be paid. Any death dealt by the passing freighters will be returned tenfold. Now go back to your syndicate, your Pike Syndicate, and present these terms. Your lives are a gesture of our civility. Now walk. Single file in the direction of the high sun, it will lead you to Anchorhead. I thought this was just badass. I really enjoyed this whole sequence. I thought Boba handled it extremely well. Um, you know, we this this podcast, not me, this podcast is very, very critical of Boba's uh crime syndicate leading skills so far in the in the recording i feel like this was a little bit of training a little training for being the head boss i thought he he handled that role well what did you think jamie uh so i i want to first say yes i'll agree with you generally speaking i think this was really cool really badass likely effective you know maybe the idea of take our offer and you know let us know if you accept it or not a little weird but fine It, it it made a point I did not like where he said, are you going to kill us or not? Depends on the answer to your next question. Ask a question, gets an answer he doesn't like, and kills nobody. So he was bluffing when he said that. But the rest of it was kind of badass well, enough that I give that a pass. Um, this is purely just a theory on my part, but just drawing from the things we got in Mandalorian, I think this does establish an estab- a, a set rule going forward. Because when we see um, 
Mando. I, I, I can never remember the character's actual the main character's name. Jin Jaren. Thank you. The Mandalorian. His that, name's The. I, I, Mr. Mandalorian. First name The, last name Mandalorian. I understand. Um, when he is crossing the Dune Sea later, the Tuscans don't try to kill him. They instead just basically negotiate terms for passage, and he gives them tribute in the form of those binoculars. So, you know... Maybe. Boba Fett. Huh. Maybe. Boba Fett. Maybe. They've actually established a new operating rules for the Dune Sea of Tatooine years now into the future. I, I took that that, like, the Mandalorian... Um, had interacted with them before because he knew their language. But but I like what you said where that was whether intentional or not, like set up. I love that. Boba Fett saved yeah, his that's life. A, that's that's a, what we're gonna say. Uh, yeah, man. Well he uh, he certainly did that. He saved Mando's life no, multiple times. But an, an extra and then more, yeah, more, an indirect more than we way. Um the yeah. guy says that they'll be uh killed. Um he says no, you will travel under protection of the Tuscans, no harm will come to you. He says, we'll die of thirst. Boba says, well, we'll give you a black melon and you'll survive on its milk. So there we go. We're getting a little bit of an explanation of what the hell these things are. They keep holding around. They call them black melons and there's, quote, milk inside of them. As these people do, you'll survive as these people do, he said. The fact that they're black melons just fruit. The fact they've got milk inside of them returns to our theory that they're eggs. We still don't know exactly what these things are. Yeah, then we see them break up. They grow grow in the wild, right? They they grow underground. They absorb water, but make it extra watery. Yeah, then we see them break open the water tank, and it, it looks to me, this was something my wife called out, it looked to me like they were maybe emptying the containers to put the water in the container. Like, they were dumping out spice <laughs> to, to put water in the containers, which would make perfect Rel- sense. Relative because, value. Yeah, that, I mean, having that much water in one source was like, uh, it's a god, that's a boondoggle for these people. Yeah, well, you- and for anybody on the whole planet, like, water's value, like, water farmers for are sure. thing. Like, that, that, that's not... You're right. That, that is kind of funny where you throw the gold out so you can get the water or something. King's Ransom. Yeah. I yeah. I did. The one part there that made me laugh, but I also I hate it, where he's like, these are not, these are sophisticated people. These are not mindless, re- you know, wasteland dwellers. These are proud and wonderful people. And you look over and they're dumping all the water in the ground and like catching tiny amounts in a cup. It's like, you're, you're if you like the water that much, you really could have saved it and not used it all on playing in a fire hydrant day. You could have like actually just taken the Jamie, whole. Jamie, let them bucket. have their moment. This is a great day for them. And you, when you were a kid, wasn't playing in the fire hydrant one of the best days of summer? Let them have a few minutes. I'm also not sure that they knew that water was coming out of that. I don't think so. Yeah, spigot or whatever. Well, like I think it would maybe surprise them a little bit when it started coming out because you see their reaction. They're all like, "Holy shit! This is awesome!" Look, if it look. If, like, the Gatorade starts leaking out of the thing, you're going to put a hand there. You're going to try to stop it. You're going to be, like, freaking out. Oh, no, I'm losing it. This is, like, valuable to them. And nobody's thinking, oh, crap, close it. How do we save the water? There Scoop is it back no, up. They're just, like, No joy dancing. in your heart. It's, no it's joy whatsoever. Time. Literally, they just had yeah. lots of people die. Let them have some element of celebration, sir. Yeah, then we get a great scene of Boba and the Tuscan leaders around a campfire. The leader explains, since the oceans dried... Interesting backstory, little lore there of Tatooine, that there used to be oceans. We have stayed hidden. Other tribes have survived by killing. So this maybe is a linkage to what we heard from the people who are running the spice on the train. The the Pike Syndicate is maybe there are other Tuscan tribes that are just more aggressive and are more, you know, kind of in line with the Tuscans that we saw in the prequels, which just like I'm not giving them a pass. Whoever these Tuscans were, they straight up kidnapped Anakin's mother and were torturing her like they were doing that that whoever those Tuscans were so I think this is a nice shout out to the fact that 
there are different tribes and different tribes operate different ways. Boba says they shouldn't have to hide, quote, potential line of the episode. You are warriors. I like that. The lawyer, uh, the leaders seem to like that too. Um, the They say the off-worlders have machines, Boba says. And I thought this was interesting because that was the that was the chief who said this. The off-worlders mm -hmm. have machines. I felt like that was the first time we saw real vulnerability from him where he mm -hmm. goes, well, we can't we can't really fight him. Like we don't we don't have the technology. Like he's he's showing his hand here and being really honest with Boba. And Boba says, well, like you have machines now too, and you know every grain of sand in the dune sea. The guy looks to him and says, I have a gift for you. Whoo, guys, just a little life lesson from Lee to you. If a Tuscan says they have a gift for you, get the fuck out of the tent quickly. Whoo, not good, Spencer. Uh, just a random bit of history. Have either of you ever played uh, the uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, that old video game? Yes. Oh, God, no, yes. I haven't. I wish oh, I, 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 I'm on the Reddit. I love it. That's it's great. Absolutely wonderful video game from back in the day. Lee, I'd still encourage you to play it. We do yeah, actually we do. find out a, a it certain... We, it, it's wonderful. We do we do spend some time with the Tuscan people on that. It's one of the first bits of Star Wars media that really tried to, you know, set them up as their own culture and history. But one of the things we find out is that ancient history, like forgotten history of the Star Wars universe... Tatooine was once a green planet that was then attacked by an interstellar empire. And the Tuscan people basically said, fuck off, we're willing to fight you unto the death, to the point the planet was scorched and nearly destroyed. And they're now just living in the remnants of now a blasted worth due to their resistance back in the ancient day. So I'm going to have an argument with myself in front of you guys. You ready? Mm. Okay. Ooh. All right. Response to Spencer. Spencer, that's just a video game. That's not canon. What are you talking about? What? Response what? to me. It's very, very obvious that they have seen this video game because I don't know how many times in Mandalorian, either you or somebody in the internet has pointed out to me, that's something from the Knights they, of the Old Republic. And, um, and, and I think there was even a thing about like a lightsaber building, right? That, that, that came into um, some of the prequels. Nice so, yeah. yeah. So I think that I honestly, like, my first reaction is video game not canon. I actually think that might be canon. It'd be an interesting deep dive to figure out. Have they, has Disney actually canonized that or not? I think Favreau and Filoni love the video games because we keep on getting reference to them. We got freaking Dark Troopers last season, which is just straight from the video games and almost never seen since. So yeah. they are given free I, reign to incorporate what they want from the Legends universe into modern canon, and they're drawn from the video games as much as they can. So, Knights of the Old Republic is more important than Clone Wars. I'm just going to say. It's, so, it's, it's, it's Jamie, very uh, point point for you. Spencer, um, it, it, he's not a fun guy, hard heart, really like kind of like mean. Whenever the, the fucking Dark Troopers came at the end of Season 2 Mandalorian, oh my God, he became a child again. It was Christmas morning for Spencer. He got so excited. If Kyle Katarn becomes canon in the Boba Fett or Mandalorian universe, I will just squee and you'll get to hear that sound for the first time. Well, so I, I don't even remember what the name of the video game is, but just to tell you, uh, when, when I first was thinking about this, I was thinking, oh, what do I think of Boba Fett? I was thinking, he's a fucking asshole, because he's got a jetpack and homing missiles, and that's not fair in that one video game that I can't remember the name yeah. of. But I, I knew the code to play as a wampa, so you could just hit people. doesn't work when they can fly. That's not a beatable level if you're in the wampa cheat code. Then we have this weird <laughs> lizard. Very important to me. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that out to somebody in my life. What the fuck is this lizard? This is lizard ayahuasca. Concentrated peyote just jumping in your head. Right into your yeah. skull. I thought he was swat. Like when he went into his, his nose, I thought he was swallowing it, killing the lizard. Nope, it's All in there. All the toxins releasing and therefore him tripping balls. We know from previous conversation, Boba likes drugs. He's he's like absolutely boom boom tapping the veins for the mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. the back mm -hmm. So he yep. really appreciates tripping. 
this is a crazy ass sequence. Apparently this is from context clues. It seems that this is part of the sort of, uh, tradition of this culture, this, right? This, this, is this wizard jumps into you, you trip balls, and I guess you just go out and find a tree and get a branch and bring it back. Didn't like that part. Part nope. I did like, part I did like, is during the tripping sequence, we see him potentially being consumed by the Sarlacc. I feel like that's an innermost fear. I feel like there's trauma that he dealt with. And then we see flashback of his childhood on Camino and him picking up his late father, Django Hett's helmet on Genosis again, yet again, we're seeing that. So we're getting reinforced. What is important? What are the big motivating things for Boba? That is a that is at least one small little connection to the Boba that we saw in Clone Wars, which is when Django Fett died, that little 10 year old became obsessed with Mace Windu and killing mm-hmm. Mace Windu. Because of how traumatized he was by killing by his quote father being killed. Jamie, please. Yeah, you were you were saying, Jamie, you were saying you did not like the um, the sequence of him going oh, out and so, the stick either. So I I, I thought it was kind of interesting when the lizard jumped in. I really thought it was like Douglas Adams Babblefish, like this was going <laughs> to give you superpowers. Maybe not translation powers. I thought it was a lizard that was going to now live in his brain and give him superpowers forever or something. Maybe that was how <laughs> they are such good fighters or can live in the desert. Maybe that's why um, he needs the Bacta. He's got a fucking lizard in his brain. <laughs> I thought they were going to do that. I really did. Yeah. I, so, so, so I was wrong on that. I do love that they just snorted gecko cocaine. So he's, he's doing that. I, Gordon so he goes and he has his spirit journey and it's you know it reminded me a tiny bit of Black Panther of going to see the tree and maybe the ancestors are yes, watching I, ca- yes, I kind of yes. like that fine Yeah. The, the thing I then didn't like is he comes back holding a stick where did he get the stick he actually found a tree he actually he found, found a tree, tree. <laughs> where but where if you were watching him if you just followed him he, he was not walking fast he didn't go far where was there a tree in drunk walking distance? So that, wh- where'd the stick come from? So question for you. Have you ever really drunk walked? Like really, really drunk, passed out, wake up four hours later from your blackout? Question mark for the group. Because I'm have thinking not. you guys haven't. You um, can walk a long fucking way. So he, and he seemed to be tripping for days, right? Because when he came back, it was a shock to the Tatooine people or the, the, the Tuscans. Like they were like startled that he was coming you, back. I got the impression that he had been gone for a long you, time. You can't live in the desert for days without water. He was the, gone for a night. Four the days. Lizard, the lizard helped. It, you can't live four days in the desert with no water. You, you dry out extra in the desert. You can go like three days. I don't know. Maybe he found water. I don't know. Look, the lizard guided him from his head. I don't know what the fuck else you want. They explained it perfectly. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Can't, can't argue I feel with like your question is answering itself. The lizard guided him from the Look, head I started, him from I the, started the whole thing by saying I didn't like the idea that he just walked out into nowhere and got a stick. I, I didn't like that either. It's convenient, but whatever. That's what we got. Um, he comes back to finish up the recap. He comes back with the stick. They um, He actually works with somebody who seems to be a very skilled crafter of these sticks, which I thought the whole process of creating it was really cool and how yeah. the guy made Boba do part of it too, right? Because mm-hmm. this is his stick. He had, to, he had to be a part of this process. Absolutely cool. I really liked all of that. And then we get the final scene, which is the internet's favorite scene. Everybody loved this. I think it's probably inspired by Tamora Morrison being of the of, of New Zealand and, it's a and the, the Maora yeah Maora heritage that Waka dance, that that sort of thing that he's doing at the end of it, very very cool ending and it shows just basically where we're at in the flashback sequence. There are two timelines. 
we end the episode with Boba is not just not a prisoner. He is of a part of this member. tribe. He is absolutely a part of Tuscan tribe. And is this the first time in Star Wars canon that we've ever seen someone truly be integrated with the Tuscan people? I've never seen that before in Star Wars canon. No, I think I think this is very much an, a very unique thing we're seeing. And it's like you guys, as much as the spirit journey didn't really work for me, pretty much everything that happened after that, I was really kind of down with in terms of, you know, him really carving his own place in the tribe and being, being integrated with them. And the last ritual... The internet's loving it for the trip, trip, kind of, you know, the dancing, whatever else it is. I was really kind of in with it. I was, I was kind of in the moment with them. I did too. Yeah. And you know, I made a, I made a joke earlier about like maybe we, we didn't want to do screen time of him collecting keys for the speeders. <laughs> but I preempted that joke by saying we are seeing some deep dives into details, and I really appreciate that they gave us the detail of the crafting of the gaffy stick. I mean, I, 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 I clocked it. We had about two minutes of that sequence, soup to nuts. So I think I it was love, well worth the screen time. Absolutely. It was really fun. It was really neat. It was weird to me that by the end, there's not much stick left. Like to realize yeah. how much of it's metal. That mm. that bugged me a little bit, but I get it still. Like it makes sense. And the stick is important. Even if you could have done it by metal, you didn't. You made it by wood. You carved it yourself. Spencer like this, that the one thing I do love from the old, old canon that got rid of some of those old kids books was when a Jedi made their lightsaber, they had to go make it themselves yes. from whatever they wanted and one of them who was into science grew their own crystal one who was lucky with the force found a crystal in a crystal mine Mm -hmm. one who was a warrior princess who was rebelling took the crown from their crown jewels and used that and it made different things they make it their own absolutely you can't go that really that deep here i don't think he didn't like you know get a tree from his home but he still brought this this was his he crafted it himself. I bet, I bet Rage has really generated important. one out of the force in her hand in about 12 seconds because that's what the fuck Ray did. Like, oh, uh, we have to, hey, wait, we have okay, to learn so, a crystal? Bang, look, here it is in my hand. Look, Terry, so apparently you're the one who really loves um, the midichlorian prequels. Am I the only one who kind of likes the sequels? Because yes. I like them. They, all right. No, they, I like them. I, I don't like Ray, but I like them. I like Ray. I okay. I I like Ray and I like the sequels and I have issues with You got and you nine. got daughters. Well, I I do. You got a daughter. But that's not even uh, yeah, but that's not even. Yeah, right. there you go. I dismiss your th- I dismiss you completely. I have significant issues with 8 and 9, but I like them despite them. Like I I acknowledge 8 and 9 both have issues, but I like them very much. So you, I can be the voice of that on this. You group. only like Ray cuz you have a daughter. There we go. That's what I've established. Done. <laughs> period podcast canon so no i'm kidding i'm joking you with only you. like luke because you have a dick like i don't know like what are we doing here? no i i do think there is a predisposition to liking a strong female lead in the sequels for certain people i'm not sure that that's your that's your thing or not but i think that she gets a little bit of i don't know why we're on this tangent but i i, I think she gets a little bit of a pass from some people because it's like finally we have a female jedi that we can follow but her her character Jedi-a. development her fe- her character development was dog shit. I mean, my God, she she picked up the force. Faster okay, than we anybody. we are getting so far afield from this. No, episode. no, no, no. Let's get. I, no, I'm running no, you, the damn. You nip. just told me you haven't rewatched episode six in a while. That's what you just told me. Oh, say I said six, four. You haven't rewatched episode four in a while. Is what you're telling me right now. If you think Ray went real fast in her development and character development being sudden, I'm going to fight you on that in a separate conversation. 
Look, yeah, I think I think you're okay. Right we, uh, we we that could be something else. That could be fun that we each have uh, <laughs> something that we get to defend a little. No, bit. I don't think this is. I don't think this is too far down the rabbit hole. If you're going to be on this podcast, you have to recognize that we hate Ray. I mean, it's just uh, that's look, just well, it. You're 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 wrong. Uh, I I love the original trilogy. I like episode two and three very much, and one made for a really good pod racing video game that I still love. So that's what one is for, yes. and oh. nothing else. It doesn't really and. And one fight scene that was good. That's and it. that is the end of the recap. Okay, let's go to our segments. We go to best line of the episode. Um, I'm willing to start best line of the episode if you guys are cool with it. There's there's not many. I, I mean, this was not a dialogue-heavy episode, really. Particularly not after the first half. Yeah, I mean, my my favorite, um, I, I really put a heavy focus on it during the, during the recap, so I'll go ahead and say what my favorite is, um, is Boba talking to... Um, the Pike people, the, the Pike folks, and he says, these people lay claim, ancestral claim to the Toon Sea. If you're to pass the tolls to be paid to them, any death dealt by the passing freighters will be returned tenfold. Now, go back to your syndicate and present these terms. I liked it for two reasons, right? One, it showed his position as a kind of up-and-coming leader within the Tuscan people. They're looking to him to guide this conversation, and he's doing a great job of it. I also think it's laying the groundwork for what he wants to do post-Tuscan life because we, we it's very much a connection to the role that he is playing now as the air quote air quotes to Jabba's empire. So I, I really loved that quote. Uh, Spencer, I'll go to you next for line of the episode. I, I Fennec's one of my favorite characters they've introduced in terms of the Mandalorian and this show too. And I really enjoyed her just professional pride line at the beginning of the episode of where overpriced you're paying for the name and the following up. I know the reputation. Yeah. They're just people in hoods. There's so much of the, I've been working with these guys for years and they've got a much better marketing campaign than we do and they don't deserve the credit they're getting. Yeah, this is this is like, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just any sort of product, right? The, the dismissal of like, well, you're paying for the name. Like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Jimmy, uh, you, next. So uh, mine would be uh, him saying, and I, oh, I wish I had the exact quote, um, but it's like, your sister's right. You'll have to kill me. Like that, that was my favorite quote from the thing because... I felt like that was, that was a good one, yeah. Yeah, it was it was him leaning a little into the uh, you know, crime lord world of, you know, no, I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't know. I, I loved it. What? It was it was badass. It fit his character as it's been and his character as he wants it to be all at the same time. And I, I expected the response to be um, the 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 hut just saying perhaps another time. And basically, it did. Basically I, my, does, my, yeah. my, my, my runner up best line was Bloodshed's bad for business, which is basically perhaps we'll kill you later. We'll see. Well, yeah. in, in reference to your first line, I, I did like that from Boba. I liked the one that he did similar to that from the that he said to the mayor of where I'm not a fool, Mokshai's, and those who have thought otherwise no longer draw breath. Times just remind people, everybody's just seeing him as a bounty hunter, and I get that. We're, we're talking about branding and you know, the trappings. But don't forget, I'm not an idiot, and I know that I know this game. Yeah. And the, I do those think that forget that are in yeah. danger. I do think that, like, as, as much as Boba doesn't – is struggling to learn how to be in this new role, I do think the fact that he can fucking kill you at any point does give him some – like, it elevates him a little bit and gives him some credence. I am going to select best line of the episode, Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, Tribes of Tatooine, is one we haven't even discussed. I'm going to throw a new one in there. They're huts. We would have to get permission to kill them. It's a good um, one. I did like that. Boba, maybe it's settled. Finnick, you think so? Boba, no. Why? Because I'm super interested in the Hut's backstory, so it's a very selfish selection. And it also, <laughs> I think it, it 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 sets up for where we're going with the plot, right? Because we are obviously going towards some sort of confrontation with the twins and Boba Fett. 
Go ahead, Jamie, uh, Spencer. Jam- Jamie, you look disgusted right now that he pulled out a quote that neither of us actually even named as a nominee. Lee is the god emperor of this segment, and he does this all the fucking time. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta, you gotta, all right, fair you, enough, fair enough. You gotta you, swerve. You, look, look, we're, we're all equal. Some are more equal than others. He gets he gets two picks. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, the poll absolutely. right. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm chopping up the episode. I'm doing all the the sound editing. I get to pick two. Uh, we go uh, to true. Yes, that's a lot of work. Actually, you can do whatever the heck you want. Nostalgic moment of the episode. I want to go to Jamie first because there's only we, one choice. Yeah, you said there's only one. There's I only one. Hear what Let's it hear is. It. Go ahead. Rancor pit. Rancor pit. It's, it's on my list. Choice. It's on my list. It's not my number one, but it's on my oh, list. Oh no, it's so perfect. It's uh, no with it rolling really forward. Really the rolling good. forward is somehow it got me because. My brain hadn't yeah. kept the throne that. rolling like that. Right. Like, I, if you had asked me what so happens good. and had me uh, rev- describe the scene from the original movies a hundred times, I probably would never have mentioned that it rolls forward. But it's ingrained in there somewhere. It's just important. Mm-hmm. It removes your hope. Like, the exit is gone. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> I, I, I had yeah. three on my list of nostalgic moments that really hit me. That was definitely on the list of where the reappearance of the Rangor Pit was just so, Rangor Pit was just such a memorable moment for Return of the Jedi. It's probably most memorable moments for a lot of people. And yeah. seeing it brought back with all of the same art, with all with the as you said, running up to those same bars where they kind of poked Luke with the, with the little cattle prods and tried to go through them. It, yeah, it's great to see. And, and I, I know there's in character reasons. But it looked like the actors were having fun with it, too, when they were staring down in the pit and yeah. just cheesing it up. It looked like they were having fun. I think they were, too. Spencer, you said you had two more on your nostalgic moment of the episode list? I did. Two other ones. One is just a background one, but the sound of the Tuscan cheering, whenever they get really excited, just always just brings me back to the original films. Just hearing like the, that. The wal- like the walrus noise. The, the Very much the walrus kind of echoing walrus okay. noise. It is just very yeah. effective sound design that it can immediately just send a tinge down my spine whenever I hear it. It's perfectly well done, brings me back in the moment. Really, I, I accept that. I, I also referenced it earlier. In terms of character design in the Star Wars universe, Ithorians have always been high for me. The moment I yeah, first saw that, cool as shit. First, remember when I first saw Momon Nadan in the. That's a, there's a deep dive for that from the Moss Eisley Cantina. Moss Eisley Cantina, yeah. Yeah, it immediately resonated with me. It's one of the few Star Wars dolls I actually had when I was growing up. It was an action figure of that particular thing. So. That character design has always worked, and the fact that they even built on it expanded in ways that they've only ever just talked about in the universe with the stereo mouths on the sides was great. And it, that was my moment for me in terms of bringing me in. Question for you, Spencer. There's been some talk chatter on the internet that that might be the same character, that he might have progressed up through the ranks of Tatooine. Uh, that would be interesting to hear. That'd be a bit of a swerve from the you know established lore, but I, I'd be interested to see it. They could make that work. Yeah, um, my nostalgic moment of the episode, uh, I had two. Well, I, I had the Rancor Pit. That, that's a really obvious, to. really, really good one. Oh, good. Uh, good. Um, I, I was so right. Good. We all did have the same one. It's on there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Rancor Pit was awesome. My other Come two on, is one, one, just seeing, just seeing huts. Just seeing huts on that's screen. That's fair. Um, having okay. the return of the huts. And then my number one, um, uh, Ichuta. The Ichuta. Uh, um, insult bringing that what, back was was big for do me do you know exactly what that means or just general f you um yeah it, it means um uh fuck you i want to eat your children 
I just gave him free reign to make up something sleep now. With no, no, your wife, no, no, no. I, I, I love the, I, you. He's using the tone as if he's reading this. I love, I yeah. love the the touch that Lee's doing there. There, I, that's actually kind of like an inside baseball joke. The, the times that they've tried to explain the Ichuta, it, it's always been, well, there's not really a great translate, but it generally means you, I will take your insides out and shove them down your, you know, something crazy. Right. It sounds better in the original Cleon kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's descend down into the gladiatorial pit. Let's pick up our fingers and go thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Is this better, worse, or on a par with a Mandalorian episode? I, I thought it was a solid episode. I had some problems with some aspects of the plotting, and it's revealing some overarching issues I'm going to have with the, which is the show itself in terms of what they're, the arc they're trying to paint or accelerate with the Boba Fett character that's not perfectly working with me. But I still think it it is in it's in the same zone as Mandalorian in terms of just very good cinematography, good overarching story, some very surprisingly well done action scenes. I was entertained throughout. Jamie, so I only get up, down, and middle. Those are my only choices. Right? <laughs> the, the broad uh, categories. Up, down, right, middle. I, was it better, I, or worse, I, or on a par? No, I got to go down. Thumbs down. But here's the thing. I, and, and in your first episode, I had the thought this is a really unfair test. This is like saying, you know, is this better or worse than, like, your favorite thing ever? Everything's going to be a thumbs down. Well, remember, I'm not asking you, is it better than the best Mandalorian episode? No, you're saying, is it on a par with the average Mandalorian episode? Yeah. It, it would be below average on Mandalorian. It would not be increasing the quality of Mandalorian. It's, you know, it's... I don't have a worst Mandalorian episode, except maybe eating frog eggs just bugs me. But um, <laughs> I don't thing. know. I, I I give it a thumbs down, but that's only because you've set the bar too high. In all reality, yeah. I enjoyed it. And I, I wanted my only quibble, really, that I was unhappy about it. I wanted it to be somewhere between five seconds and one and two minutes longer where you go back to the current day just to bring it back home. Even if it was just him waking up in the back to tank. Or some conversation, something. That's the only criticism I have. But that's the worst about it. I love the episode. I enjoyed it. The whole thing. You just set the bar too high for me, so well, I have to give it a thumbs down. You, you just hit one of one of my overarching issues, actually. The amount of time we're spending in the past is actually diluting and taking me out of the present. And I think the present's ultimately going to be more important. And I, I agree. Well, mm. Well, we have to remember we have to remember the the title book of boba fett right it's telling the story of boba fett it's not just about what happens post you know uh, the mandalorian season two so i understand what they're trying to do i'm going to give it a thumbs up i mean we have to i think that it's very it's very common to because mandalorian really breathed life and resuscitated the star wars franchise for us to, to romanticize i mean there was an entire episode where he was just like in a fuck he just like was getting frog lady from one planet to another. Like, I mean, there were some stinker Mandalorian episodes. Um, the one, the one that one, I referenced one where one. the one, uh, more than the one, one that I referenced, one. one that I referenced where they they were, they were escaping the um, Moff Gideon's research lab. I thought was a little one note boring. There was not, there was not, there were some not great episodes of Mandalorian. This is a extremely good hour of television. I felt like well-produced, interesting, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of callbacks. This is a strong thumbs up for me. So we have, um, yeah, we have kind of across the board here. Um, I, I, 
I'm really with you on the Easter eggs. Just even beyond Star Wars, this was doing Easter eggs for all kinds of other wonderful films and wonderful series and wonderful you know, classic tropes. These guys know filmmaking and know what to hearken to at various times. Like I said, Lawrence Arabia is one of my favorite films. The bu- the crashing of the train, the getting of the robes, him emerging from the desert are very much homages to some great scenes from that. And I like that they're drawing on not only class, uh, classic Star Wars, but classic cinema in general in terms of making this. Awesome. Okay, anything else we want to cover here before we wrap up our coverage of Book of Boba Fett Chapter 2? I'll go to Spencer for final thoughts. The big question I've got, and we talked before about what they're going to do with his time with the Tuscan people, because, like, Jamie, you, you noted, yeah. apparently he's going to spend, like, six years with them, which is a lot of time. And it seems like yeah. he's now fully integrated as a tribe member. He's got the outfit, he's got the tools that we first saw him in when he arrived in Mandalorian. So what more are they going to do in terms of him just... Is he literally just going to kind of hang out and immerse himself in the tribe for the next years of time before we see him again in The Mandalorian? If so, I guess they can make that work, but it seems like it's a weird call. So I'm really interested to how, what more we're going to get of his past if that's really kind of what they're going to be giving us and setting up until, until the last moment that we saw him. Uh, Jamie, final thoughts on the episode? Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I think that uh, I do... I'm very curious on whether the fish out of water of this guy who's very like code of honor and I'll defend myself, but I'm not going to hurt people for no reason. Who's very clearly trying to win a lawful evil game. Um, I, I, that could be really fun to watch the fish out of water, or it could be just really painful throughout. And I, I think they need to address that a little more soon to keep it fun and not awkward and painful. But that's the one thing I'm really watching to be either great or terrible, but I like it overall. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm very interested in in what Spencer talked about the ratio of flashback to current. I'm I'm okay with it so far. We've been clamoring for what the fuck happened to Boba Fett after he got out of the Sarlacc pit in current Canon. We have, we have it legends Canon, but in current Canon, we are getting it. I think that's really cool, but are they going to continue this sort of 60 to 40, 70 to 30 flashback to current? you know, ratio? Because if so, that might be a little much for seven straight episodes. So I would I would appreciate if they would sort of pull back the ratio of, of how much flashback we're getting and start to get more present day. That would be kind of cool to me because eventually they're going to have to connect because my understanding is what they're doing with all of these series is connecting to a greater story arc of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, of, of the, uh, God damn, what's his name? The blue guy, um, Thrawn, Grand Thanos. Admiral Thrawn. Grand Emma Thrawn and and you know basically the story of what happened to him to where we get to the sequel movies and he's no longer a player like how did that occur uh, I think that's what they're setting up for so if, if they're going to do that they need to really up the ratio of present day stuff uh, for me yeah similar to what you guys are saying I don't want this to be easy for him or necessarily accommodate what Boba Fett's trying to make the game if you know yeah. he's just able to just rally Tuscan Tuscan people to save the day at the end or he gets all of the people of Tatooine rallied on his new his new no, be, no. better forever like the worst case scenario would be he just like uses his goodness to rally the people of Tatooine to throw everybody out that would be so hackneyed if they go that route if he does the Tuscan that, people that, it's been that, set up but it would still be really hackneyed if you know the cavalry comes to save that's the day. gonna happen I think yeah oh, yeah Danny Danny with the Dothraki yeah they can they can sell it well. I think they've indicated that's kind of where the future is going to be. I'll just be curious to see how it lands. I hope they don't make this just too easy of a journey for him in terms of him not being able of him not needing to change or accommodate or play the game 
to win this. Are, are you saying that you don't want the lesson to be that the entirety of Tatooine just needed a lesson in friendship and that Boba Fett's going to come teach them a lesson in friendship for the whole crime syndicate? Man. Friendship's magic, man. It can do a lot. We have never more threatened the Star Wars holiday special than to say Boba Fett arrives to teach us a lesson in friendship in terms of how this series is going to end. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it... Look, I mean, obviously they're setting up a nicer Boba Fett. I don't think they're quite quite to this level yet. And I don't think they're going there. Um, yeah, but 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 obviously he has... It's not like how you describe it, Jamie. This fish out of water. He's, he's going to... That's the whole point of this. He's got to learn this new role. He's learning a new job. We'll see how it goes. But I did enjoy this episode, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. talking about it with you fellas. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be back next week with our coverage of Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 3. And if you are still listening to this podcast... I would venture to guess you enjoy hearing our hearing us talk. And if you do, please go to your favorite podcast platform and rate the us five stars. That really helps us move up the search rankings. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Hope everybody has a great week. See you then.